downright un-American. No patriot. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. It's all about the money. Anti-American. They want the money. It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. Patriotism. Anti-American. They were like death. And un-American. 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 Treasonous. Yeah, just why not? It doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. Anti-American. They want the money. I'll tell you something. Anti-American. Un-American. I mean, they certainly didn't seem to love our country very much. Right, un-American. Welcome to another episode of Un-American, the show about traitors, turncoats, and treasonous, where no fraud or grifter is safe. I am Brandon, and I am joined today by Franklin and Jim. How are you both doing today? I'm doing great. Did you run through that so quick in honor of our subject today? Uh, I yeah, right. No, I ran through <laughs> He's been it. Practicing. I ran through it so quick because, and for the same reason, we're going to skip the silver linings today because. Fuck our subject so today. So much there's, to unpack. There is, a, there's, this is gonna be he a can long. Talk, can't he? Yeah, he can. Uh, this is gonna be a long episode about Ben Shapiro. I wonder if his, if his brain works in like zip files, like how it's all so <laughs> compressed and then just explodes out. I think that, it's like that can of snakes you get that are like disguised <laughs> as peanuts. That's essentially his brain. You say zip file, I say fucking eight ball. Like I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's I, I, I actually all at once. I know how big is the straw. I know that he's probably too dorky for anybody to even sell him. Cocaine, but like, god damn it, man! He He's talks. like Ma- that Michael Scott. Like, I don't think Ben Shapiro's ever done drugs. I don't think I anybody's like, ever offered him. I would, like, <laughs> yeah. I would like one weed, please. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's ever wanted to do drugs with him. That's for sure. Oh, uh, I kind of just want to see Shapiro on uh, fucking Joe Rogan now, just to see what happens when they pass him a blunt and oh, be like, oh no, I, I gotta get out of the room. My wife said, um, "Yeah." So Ben Shapiro is what who we're gonna talk about tonight. I do uh, in place of the. Uh, in place of the the typical silver lining, I do want to do a couple of things though. Just get a little business out of the way um, uh, ahead of time. Uh, one thing I want to do is make a correction from the last episode. Um, I set up Ken Copeland and like kind of described his uh, show as like a as like a vlog or whatever, and and like that is not he is on TV. He's on like you know when like uh, you walk into your grandparents' house. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know when like public access in the middle of the night goes to like all Christian TV on a lot of channels yeah. or like he's he's that kind of guy. Like mm. the, doesn't PBS still have that? They late might. Night? They yeah. might. A lot a lot of like local and public access channels. I think even like Home Shopping that. Network switches over to televangelism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's essentially a 30-minute infomercial. He does <laughs> yeah. he does find himself on there. It's not strictly uh the internet. Um, well, no, I mean, whole people don't always use the internet, and that's bread and butter. Yeah, no shit. Um, so that is one correction I wanted to make from the Kenneth Copeland episode. Um, I also want to do what I promised last time and say thank you uh, to a couple of supporters. Supporters, yes. Um, and I guess I can use that to to set uh, to 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 do the do the plug, shameless plug, right here. If you like the show and you want to support what we're doing, you can head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash unamerican and become a Patreon patriot today. Bonus content is available there as well as merch and all kinds of cool stuff. And we greatly appreciate your contributions Mm -hmm. to the show. 
Um, yeah, I do feel like I'm in Shapiro mode. I'm talking really fucking fast <laughs> at the start of this. Um, the thing is, though, I know how much we have to unpack, and it's, it's... I really think it's because you've been listening to Shapiro for, like, two straight days. It, it could it, be. It's infectious. You know what sucks, too, is that, like, we're gonna get done recording this, and I'm going to have to listen to this shit again to fucking edit it, and I, like, oh. next week's probably gonna be a lighthearted episode. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so... Let me take a moment to thank a few people for signing up on the Patreon. Um, I would like to take a second to thank Kayla Kitchens for signing up and becoming a Patreon patriot. They call themselves the Patriots and come from all over the U.S. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I would also like to thank the uh, not-so-great Gatsby uh, for also signing up to become a Patreon Patriot. They call themselves the Patriots and come from all over the U.S. And uh, at an elevated level, I would like to thank Ashley for um, signing up to become a non-American loyalist. I would have wiped the floor with the guys that weren't loyal, which I will now do, which is great. You know, I love getting even with people. That's kind of loyalist. <laughs> is that the highest tier? Yeah. Huh? Is that the highest oh, tier? Oh, no, no. That <laughs> is, it goes way it higher. Goes I haven't way looked higher. at any of these names in a no, minute. No, you can get all the way to stable genius if you want to be awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, but thank you. Thank all of you. Thank you three for uh, for signing up to support the show. We do greatly we appreciate do. that. Um, so we're going to jump right in to Ben Shapiro, um, because, uh, as I've stated, I think this is going to turn into a long episode. You'll know by the time you press play on this, but I think that it's going to turn into a long thing. So before I tell you who Ben is, let me, uh, offer you a little Freudian slip. When we watch that together and listen to it, you'll see it makes no sense. Nobody bothers to define their terms. These folks sound as though they are cult members trying to explain the cult to other people. It sounds weird and bizarre. It sounds vague and unpractical, but that is the whole purpose. The whole purpose is in order for you to be a member of the elect, a member of the political and intellectual elite, you have to buy into a system. It is all about social virtue signaling. Yeah, this show has a lot of virtue signaling on it. Um, if he, ben knows nothing about I mean, that, I'm it, sure. By right. definition of virtue signaling, when you are complaining about virtue signaling, you are, in fact, virtue signaling <laughs> yeah. to yeah. your own constituency. It is It is a little bit ridiculous. So His let, speech pattern is already bugging me, and we're a clip in. Oh, dude, it's going to He gonna speaks like a, um, like a young William Shatner coked up it's gonna like, it, he, yeah. he has odd pauses you made the comment that like i like might a be high-pitched christopher walken i yeah. might <laughs> i might be talking fast because i've been listening to him if he changes my speech pattern for this episode your, I'm your gonna cadence be, is gonna slowly I, develop gonna <laughs> fucking furious uh just start fucking uh softly reading wap lyrics of some shit <laughs> i don't know um, so let me tell you who Ben Shapiro is. Uh, he's an American conservative political commentator and media host. At age 17, he became the youngest nationally syndicated columnist in the United States. Uh, he writes columns for Creator Syndicate, Newsweek, and Ami, Am I? Ami Magazine. Um, he serves as editor of em- Emeritus for the daily for the Daily Wire, which he founded, and he hosts the Ben Shapiro Show, a political, a daily political podcast and live radio show. Um, I suppose this is the the time in which I should confess that I used to be a pretty big fan of his. 
and he's changed so much. You know what? Though? Over the past like two years, it's not even funny. The one thing that like so we pay attention to like to these kinds of like grifters and fraudsters and people who are who are saying provocative things um, to make money, which is where I would put Ben Shapiro. Um, I would put him in, in, in the same company with most of those guys like Alex Jones, uh, like uh, Dan Bongino. Uh, the thing, though, is it makes more sense to me why somebody would like Ben Shapiro even now more so than like an Alex Jones or a Dan Bongino. I think he's harder. I, I think he has a better grip. He's very, very well put together he, as well. He talks really fast. He says big words like they're and he and he makes claims like they're fact that well, everybody agrees on. By trade, he's a lawyer. So he learned how to do this yeah. at a professional rate. And so one of the things that uh that was frustrating for me going through this was he says so much shit that he just moves on like it's common knowledge. And it's yeah. like, dude, I have had to pull so much shit to figure out, to put context to the things that he says, that it totally makes sense why somebody who's driving in their car listening to a podcast or check or seeing it on YouTube would not take the time to go through the million things that he spits out in a 60-minute episode. Like, it just... And sometimes even less time. And, like, he just says so much. There's so much there um, that it makes sense why somebody would get... To me, it makes sense today why somebody would get caught up by Ben Shapiro and be like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Because he fucking sounds like he does. And he, he does it too quickly for your brain to, like... But he also has alienated a lot of people, like me. Yeah, I mean, he's a... Because he, he, he used to be a never-Trumper. He used to only be a, like, classical economic economic conservative. And then, like, he had, like, your regular, like, moralistic conservative views. And it feels like since 2018, he's slowly turned into this new, weird, like, Trump conservative machine that we got going on right now. Yeah, I mean, he basically... Bizarro world. There was a... But that's where the money turned out to be. Well, and I would argue... You're not wrong. Yeah. I would argue it happened before, but there was a noticeable noticeable shift in 2018 because he did criticize Trump in the first year or two. And you go back to when he would criticize, uh, like, Steve Bannon when he left uh, uh, Breitbart and stuff, when he used to work there. Like, I feel like Ben had more integrity... But like most people who get into politics or punditry, it just fucking it, it eventually it, disappears. Well, yeah. it turns it, in, yes. it turns into following the money, right? Um, so we're going to talk. Can, can we put like our own possible Floridian slip in here and say that we we will never do that? And then if we do, you can call us uh, <laughs> Lindsey Graham. Yeah, I I <laughs> you can hold us to it. I I'm comfortable putting that in there because I don't see that happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I definitely don't. Um, I don't not in not in the way that I don't know. Give us a bunch of money, see what happens. <laughs> like that, that's your best, yeah. that's your best bet on figuring out how this. There's is. a new level for the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you wanna, yeah. If you want to see where if our Freudian slip comes true, there you can donate ten thousand dollars now <laughs> at Patreon.com/slash/unamerican. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk about uh, Ben Shapiro's podcast, a specific episode. I I kind of liked that format with the last episode uh, with Copeland. So 
um, I decided to give myself a lot of headaches this week and listen to Ben Shapiro's show, um, which was how to defeat critical race theory. Critical race theory is big in the news right now, especially if you watch any type of conservative news. Um, it, 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 it's their new hot point, talking point, Marxist, socialist, critical race theory bullshit like I, I like to call it the caravan part 30 yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah it, it it's a lot of the the outrage about it to me we're seems, at like a low b rating at this point <laughs> yeah the the outrage to me seems to be a lot of white victimhood nonsense but you can at the end of this you can decide for yourself um the reason though i that and, and he only talks about this in the intro of his show but i do want to put context to it before we listen to it in a second that one of the reasons that this this is so big in the news currently um, is because uh, one of our general Miley My- Millie yeah, is Mark that Millie. yeah Mark Milley um, was uh, addressing Congress and was asked about teaching critical race theory in the uh, in the military so um, I've got this specifically military academies and I believe West Point was the one in, in question is that what it was yeah. yes um, I've got this uh, article from NBC News um, last Wednesday Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and General Mark Milley chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff appeared before the House Armed Services Committee to talk about the 2022 Defense Department budget during the hearing uh, Representative Matt Gates of Florida challenged Austin about, among other things, the teaching of critical race theory in the U.S. military, a, relev- a relatively uh, amorphous term often, retur- often referring to the academic study of race and anti-racist movements. CRT has become a catch-all cause uh, for culture war conservatives. Later in the hearing, another Florida Republican, Representative Michael Waltz, a military veteran, noted that CRT appeared in an elective at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, uh, and white rage was the focus of a seminar voluntarily attended by 100 cadets. Miley made it clear that the U.S. military does not teach critical race theory and dismissed as offensive the characterization of officers and non-commissioned officers as woke. The general also reminded the committee that West Point is a college and that it is crucially important for those in uniform to be open-minded and widely read. As for learning more about white rage, I want to... This is a quote. And as for learning more about white rage, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, he said. What is... What is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What is wrong with having some situational understanding about the country we are here to defend? That sent fucking Republicans off the goddamn wall. Yeah, they started Um, hurling accusations (laughs) at Mark Milley. And a lot of this— Tucker Carlson went so far as to call him not brave. Yeah. And a quick review of— his combat record will tell you otherwise. Yeah, especially if he, you stack it against Tucker Carlson's yeah, combat yeah. record. Allie, I mean, he's Allie. got five years worth of combat stripes on his sleeve. He's a Green Beret. Or he, he was, I don't know. I think he's still a Green Beret. I don't think you can look, really lose that title once you get it's it. It's like being a badass. Once it comes, it never goes. Yeah. yeah. And just like as any four-star general would have, he has a fat stack of ribbons and medals on yeah. his chest. Um, Alex Jones also went so far as to call him, uh, I believe, a Chicom operative <laughs> um, and an enemy of the state. 
the traitor treason. It's so telling. Like that, uh, I don't want to get off topic. But yeah, yeah they can right. <laughs> so we're going to pay attention, though, to what Ben Shapiro, uh, how he feels about critical race theory. And the way that he presents this episode is not so much to dwell on the Mark Milley comments um he, he'll talk about it for a second here uh and then he decides he's going to teach his audience about critical race theory and so we're going to go through the process of how ben shapiro teaches critical race theory and i think that we're gonna have some disagreements along the way so uh is it gonna sound like his book that he wrote uh i, I i'm not gonna read it to tell you an answer to <laughs> the that true allegiance. the white the white kid bullied by the black kid i'm i'm telling you right now i've had enough to hear with shapiro and <laughs> And this is the fucking first clip of the show. For those of you that can't see, his hand was about eye level. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I said dress down today because I'm fucking done. I'm going to be comfortable for this episode. I'm pissed. <laughs> like my He's, head is he's wearing a Snuggie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a lie. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, how to defeat critical race theory, episode 1280 of the Ben Shapiro show. I will let him start us off. All righty. So you may have noticed that critical race theory has become the topic of the day. And the media are fighting mad about it. They are very, very angry about this. As we'll discuss, critical race theory has been infiltrating our institutions for literally decades. And it is the ideology that has taken over most of our major institutions. This is why we saw the specter last week of an admiral in the United States Navy explaining why he had recommended that sailors be reading Ibram X. Kendi, who's one of the great race grifters and racists of our time. It's the reason why there are corporations all over America training their workers that if they are white, they suffer from inevitable whiteness. And this inevitable whiteness is, in fact, a symptom of discrimination. And so they have to do the work, do the work in order to be properly woke and in order to properly address their own flaws, these inherent flaws in them. Not that they've done anything bad in their life, but because of their whiteness, they are bad. That's quite a setup, Ben. Um, he he's. Kind of- I, I've worked a lot of jobs. Never once has my employer ever explained to me that because I'm white, I'm bad. I'm pretty sure I would be able to sue them if they ever did that. I'm pretty positive, and that never you're have right. to work again. Like that's no, an no, no, idiotic statement on its face. That does he, not happen. No. He also says inevitable whiteness. Like, <laughs> yeah, inevitable. Uh, yeah, you, you kind of are. If you're white, you are inevitably white. Yeah, yeah. How this works? Yeah. If you're black, you're inevitably black. That I. I <laughs> So we know that Ben understands also, how colors work. So biology yeah, is the real problem here. He doesn't understand that. And have and here we come full loop. Does he not ben. believe that people are born inevitably gay? <laughs> Man, I don't know what. That's, another, like, that's a whole other that's can of worms whole, you're opening that's, up. Yeah, yeah, that's a different episode that I'm not going to listen to for a while. So uh, he also says the the media are mad about this. No, yeah, so, that was the thing. Like, so like no. you because you're, you're the media, you're, Ben. Yeah. yeah. You're so, mad about this? Uh, so right. I should say, too, uh, on well, his media was like bright. Well, I guess not bright, bright anymore. Oh, no. They're, they're absolutely mad about this. <laughs> yeah. And well, and that's the there's a couple of things that you guys are already picking up on just in his fucking introduction. Now, he he says that line. And he goes straight to an ad pivot, which I'm not. Gonna wait, well, he's wait. He starts his show with an ad, like he every the fucking balls on this every, short well, motherfucker. It's, every it's, episode it's live. So he does. It's like. Yeah, like how any show live show is usually set up, it'll have an ad beginning, middle, and well, yeah. And but usually you do the, like the intro music. You come in, you talk for like five minutes, then you go to an ad. You don't like do one sentence. He doesn't, and, like, he doesn't even. He doesn't even. There's have, a lot of people that read the ads directly really? off before anything watch, else happens. Okay, he also you, doesn't have intro. You can music. just skip through that at that Wait, point. He doesn't have intro music. It's like a single strum on the guitar, and it just starts cold. It's very. He's a cheap it, motherfucker. Yeah, we have, we a, have intro music. <laughs> yeah, it's a. 
like a second and a half chord that sounds like a child picked up their first guitar and hit it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, fuck, first act. The first, <laughs> first act. Um, yeah. So here's he 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 goes to the ad pivot, but you guys have picked up on a couple of things. Um, one that he's talking about how the media is fighting mad about this, but like. It, as we go through the show and he starts playing clips of the media, I will ask you to tell me which side of the media seems more angry about critical race theory than the other. I don't like I don't know that he proves his fucking start of the like that's a bullshit over you. Yeah, yeah. It, completely. One hundred percent. And, you know, so I don't know. He he's a whatever. I have some issues with the way that he defines things, um, and which is one of his biggest complaints about the media, uh, as we will learn. But I have problems with how he defines things. This is why you see corporations giving money to things like Ibram X. Kennedy Center. That's why you see Jack Dorsey of Twitter giving $10 million to Ibram X. Kennedy Center for anti-racist research, which to date has produced no actual research. It's the reason why you see the media consistently using the language of CRT always using the language of equity rather than the language of equality. The language of equality is in the Declaration of Independence. It's in the Constitution. The language of equity is not because equity is a mush term that in modern parlance has come to mean equal outcome rather than actual fairness. Right? Fairness, typically speaking, if you go back to the ancients, the idea is fairness is you get what you deserve, right? Your action results in particular results. And this would be equity. This would be justice. That is not what the modern definition of equity means. The modern definition of equity means that no matter what your action the outcome should always be the same. Because after all, the system is rigged against you. And failure is just a symptom that the system is rigged against you. Nobody's right. calling for 100% equity. No. No. Nobody. That is the, that is the ultimate... That's the, their boogeyman. I would also argue... That's the big lie of the right. That, like, oh, they want to get us to a point that, like... They, you, have you guys ever read Harrison, Harrison Bergeron, the short story that oh, you read in high school? Years ago, yes. Well, they, like, the whole point of the short story is that they handicap people. So if you're really attractive, you have to wear a bag on your head. If you're really strong, you have to wear weights. So right. everyone is made equal. Yeah. And that's what they're fearful of, ultimately. But we're never – that is Nobody's not what anybody that. is, is I also, campaigning for. I also have a problem with the way that he, uh, that he talks about or that he defines equality and equity. First of all, he says the language of equality is in the Constitution. The word equality is in the Constitution. You can we can debate all day whether the language of equality is in the Constitution. I would argue they fucking owned slaves while they were writing that and, shit. And uh, women so, weren't allowed to vote. Right, you know, like there's, yeah. a, there's not a lot of equality Don't, written in that fucking document. But I also it had to be amended quite a bit. I also have a problem that he just he. Uh, defines equity as the same outcome. Um, so the, here's an article from Online Public Health. While the terms equity and equality may sound similar, the implementation of one versus the other can lead to dramatically different outcomes for marginalized people. Equality means that an individual or group of people is given the same resources or opportunities. Equity recognizes that each person has a different circumstance and allocates the exact resources and opportunities needed to reach an equal outcome what ben is saying is that equity is the outcome and what equity actually is is the resources to yeah, it's the attain beginning. Yeah. it's the beginning and that yeah. is vastly different from what he's saying what he's saying and what he's afraid of is that we all have to be equal so like if you want to look at america on a slider scale uh predominantly white communities we have great schools and all this that the third you go into predominantly black communities they have not so great schools and 
in order to give somebody the same like opportunity straight out of high school, you would have to balance those. Right, so exactly. You need to send yeah. more resources it to is, it's one the, particular community. It's the starting point, whereas Ben is making the argument argument that it's the finish line. Yeah. And and so like I, I yeah. because that that is that is that's a like, mistruth and that is a shitty way to start your audience thinking about a fucking theory when they think also, that like that clip proves to me one thing <laughs> that like I would never want to debate Ben. He's too he's a great fucking debater. He's an asshole oh, and he's wrong, yeah. but he's great at talking very fast, never stumbling over his words, right. being very Be- eloquent. Yeah. Before you know? becoming a professional pundit, he was a lawyer, so he's I mean, a, it, honestly, he was a paid litigator. He, he did teach, this all day in court. He should teach debate class. That yeah. is what he's really good at. Yeah. And that's why, but like, if you actually sit down and look at his argument and tear it apart, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny. No, at, not all. at all. It doesn't pass any kind of smell test. No. Um, let me explain to you before he explains to you uh, what critical race theory is. Uh, really quick. Go ahead. I wanted to make the point that uh, it is extremely impossible, like, the level of micromanagement that would have to go in to equality of outcome. Like to make sure that everybody got the same outcome, right? You realize it, it's just not you can't do it. No, it's not logistically possible. No, and but they that, think that, but that's uh, they think that leftist communists are just going to snap their fingers and it's going to happen. Well, but I was going to say, isn't it. that the argument that they're making when they tell people to be afraid of socialism? Is that yeah. like is well, the, it's their shtick and that's why they're trying to tie it into it, right? Um, but but it's completely not possible to do. Yeah. Um, it's not even possible in in fucking dictatorships like China it, it, and well, shit. Even, like, even without all the USSR corruption that went on, it didn't work there. Not even close. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it, uh, ah. Nobody's trying to recreate lot. that. Yeah. Um, let me explain. Also, I, I wonder if you ask Ben about like the outcome should always be the same. And be like, okay, well then, why do black people get such much, much harsher sentences for the same crimes that white people get off for? Right. And he would, because obviously the answer is racism, but he would have a, he'd work his way around that right. bucket. You know, it well, doesn't apply when it obviously should apply. Well, and we'll get into it later. What is racism and what is systemic racism and why the fuck can't Ben According grasp to white them? Ass ben. Uh, but um, but real quick before he's going to start talking about, well, he's going to tell us that he's going to start talking about critical race theory and then put few fucking points in between actually getting to it but i what? am going to give a little definition of critical race theory prior to him you mean what it actually is it's <laughs> probably the, better the to set it up is. with an actual definition yeah. than to let ben corrupt people's minds so who don't know. so according to britannica.com uh critical race theory is an intellectual movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise that race is not natural biologically grounded future is not a natural biologically grounded feature of physically distinct subgroups of human beings but a socially constructed culturally invented category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color critical race theorists hold that the law and legal institutions of the united states are inherently racist insofar as they function to create and maintain social economic and political inequalities between whites and non-whites especially african-americans Critical race theory was officially organized in 1989 at the first annual workshop of critical race theory, though its intellectual origins go back much farther to the 1960s and 70s. Its immediate precursor was the critical legal studies CLS movement in which which dictated itself to examining how the law and legal institutions served the interests of the wealthy and powerful at the expense of the poor and marginalized. Uh, So as much as conservatives like to complain about 
ultra liberal ideas that go on in universities. This was created in 1989. How are we just now getting to this? Right. Right. Well, it was organized in 1989. It was really like the 60s and 70s uh, is when this came came about um when the idea came about you know the first time i heard the term and i heard you know like a, a hubbub about it and i looked it up I, I the definition to me was just like oh you you're just talking about history you don't yeah. need to call it critical like race theory it's just history well it is that's just accurately looking at the history of america that we've yeah. we have oppressed a fuck ton that's, of people right that's another thing I we almost to don't need, like i understand we need another name for it because academics is also written by white people like we're the one who present history and we often do it in a white centric way or a way that makes us look better. So I understand that, like, a bunch of professors in the 80s are like, we need to start teaching. I understand that. Like but real like, actual history? What if really we were happened? doing our jobs as, as history teachers in the first place, this would just be called the classroom. Like, right. we would need a whole term for it, it. It gets accused of being, like, American revisionist history. Like, no, it's just history. Well, yeah. it's nothing that people haven't been writing about, like, since, go back to E.B. It's, it's non-redacted history. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It doesn't look like the goddamn Mueller report with fucking all the, which is the history we teach yeah. now. We yeah. just don't teach the blacked over Effectively pages. ran the world out of Sharpies. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it's the thing you should. And my printer out I don't of know that it's the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the thing a historian should focus on, but the thing I focus on when I read any kind of history are the people at the bottom rung of society, who was fucked over the most by right? No society in no form of government is perfect. There's always going to well, be casualties, and, I and also, those are the people I'm more interested so in. So don't give a fuck what the rich people are doing in those societies. Yeah. Like they're being rich and powerful, like they do in every society. Abusing people, like right. they've always done. Ben goes on. The basic tenets of critical race theory have, in fact, been watered down and then spread like manure all the way through most of our major institutions, from corporate America to the media to academia, where it began, and certainly into the halls of government. And what you see from the media is an unwillingness to confront this or a willingness to champion it. The media's reaction on this has been utterly irresponsible because, of course, they are proponents of CRT. CRT is not merely a legal theory. It started off as a legal theory, sort of like intersectionality started off as a legal theory. And then it became an actual activist point. This happens in politics all the time, by the way. There are kind of highfalutin theories, and then they are kind of dehydrated and dehydrated more and dehydrated more to the point where they become a pill, and then all you do is you take the pill, and now you have become sort of an advocate for that ideology. And the game that people like to play is that after people take that pill and you get the inevitable results of that pill, then they say, well, you know, that really has nothing to do with the original ideology, right? This is just a boiling down of that. But here is the reality. The reality is that CRT was corrupt and wrong in its first instance, and that the logical progression of CRT, what we are seeing now, is in fact connected to critical race theory. Is it watered tweet- down or is it dehydrated? Did right. He- what is he? At- what is he saying here? That almost was a pitch perfect, like Ben telling us how he red pilled himself. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I'm glad you you picked up on the pill thing because I think that there are certain uh, words and ideas that he's using intentionally. Um, I love yeah, the calling insane. it watered down and spread like manure. Yeah, manure it's, for it's, sure. It's inflammatory. Yeah, it is. Well, 100- then the pill thing is like you are winking at red pilling. You're winking at QAnon. Yeah, you're. You, that's the audience. But that also, you're trying like, to get how funny and how fucking ironic. It's that also, you, like, the same just, audience that's going to buy his body armor. Yeah. Look in a yep. fucking mirror, Ben. That's you just talked to yourself and you, you took a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be a pundit. You wanted more, so now you say more and outrageous shit to get more viewers. You've also started your show. By telling your audience before you get into anything that critical race theory was wrong in its first, uh, in, in, its, in its inception, in its inception, and is wrong 
continuously. And what's interesting to me about that is that uh, he he didn't even define it. He said, I'm going to define it. And then he's like, well, it started in colleges and then it went here. It's like, that's not a definition. It's very that is wrong. tracking its history, he which also, is wrong also. He also, in very lawyer, lawyer-esque lawyer speak, uh, like tried to correlate it to intersectionality. And are, are, It's not the same. No, it's not. Uh, intersectionality from Wikipedia is an analytical framework for understanding how aspects of a person's social and political identities combine to create different modes of discrimination and privilege. The term was conceptualized and coined by Kimberly Williams Crenshaw. Intersectionality defines, uh, identifies multiple factors of advantage and disadvantage. Examples of these factors include gender, caste, sex, race, class, sexuality, religion, disability, physical, and uh, I'm sorry, physical appearance and height. These intersecting and overlapping social identities may be both empowering and oppressing. For example, a black woman might face discrimination from a business that is not distinctly due to her race because the business does not discriminate against black men, nor distinctly due to her gender because the business does not discriminate against white women, but due to the combination of the two factors instead. So what they're not the same fucking thing at all. And he at the I, heart I, of both of these, they are just observations of that's what, what actually like, happens. They call in it life. intersectionality. Right. I just call it being a fucking person. Yeah, it should be obvious. We shouldn't need a name for that. I think he's. I don't like the use of intersectionality in politics because people are definitely trying to use it to slide the advantages around. So, like, you can see where it could be used wrongfully, mm-hmm. yeah. but. At the, well, I, at the heart of it, it's not an evil I thing. I see why something like intersectionality would scare Ben because it proposes the idea that you don't just get – you don't work hard and you just get what you get from working hard. Right. Which is his whole philosophy. Well, it's If you the, try hard enough, look, he made it and he's a – you know, he, it's not like he had a huge advantage. That's the, the – the, I say it to you guys in private all the time that that is like – they're victims of propaganda. Like, they have been propagandized into believing that this capitalist fucking dream exists where if you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps, then everything you're going to make it as as well as you're going to make it. But, like, like they, Mary- they're ignoring all the factors and variables that go into someone's existence. Merit and work ethic is always good for everybody, but you yeah. got to understand that that alone is not enough for most people no you can't control being born into a poor family you no. can't control for more than hit half with of a, this country uh, fucking it's, health, it's, it's not know. a truth right yeah yeah there are so many things that are out of our control to not accept that is just madness to me what's sad to me is that like and but it makes sense is that people like ben are at least they at least have enough power to for all of us to be talking about him right like we know who ben shapiro is we're doing a fucking show on him he's at least powerful enough to be a part of fucking pop culture, right? Um, and so for him to sell this idea to poor people in his audience that, like, well, it, it's all about the amount of effort that you put into... Sh- like, so many people that are not part of that top fucking 1% and are not part of that very quickly shrinking middle class believe this idea that they that one day their piece of the or their slice of the pie is going to get bigger and like and so they defend the the fucking corporations 
and the Believing, politicians. Well, when I get there, I don't want anybody to take my money. Right. Like they're ever going to get you're there. Just you're just perpetuating. You're never getting there, no, dude. You're perpetuating a system that is only going to give They're also you not enough. trying to take their money either. No. They're just saying how right. they don't They're not trying to so physically much. redistribute your wealth. Right. Yeah. They're, then, they're yeah. just trying to write the rules of the game, like to write it as in to write the ship. Right. Uh, as it stands. They're not going to take from you what you've already earned. Yeah, and that that's one of the things that like that bothers me about that whole argument about like well, uh the the radical left wants to redistribute. Redistribute what? Dude, you make $80,000 a year. Like, you're fine. Nobody's yeah. fucking coming also, for your shit. Like, also, Donald Trump's probably fine cuz he already made it. Like, if you write the rule today, you start you could, today. You could, you could <laughs> tax the rest. You could tax his income for the rest of his life at 100%, and it wouldn't even hurt him. No, not at he all. He wouldn't even notice. No. Hopefully, he'll be in jail before then, though. So, <laughs> well, also, wouldn't these right wing, right leaning people? Wouldn't they just love to see us take Jeff Bezos' money and give it to a bunch of like welfare queens? Wouldn't that be a wet dream? I don't understand why they wouldn't like love that. Yeah, I well, it doesn't because then those those welfare uh, queens or square qu- yeah, yeah, square quotes, but. Uh, they because then they could become a little bit more successful and it would blow the whole game open like it would show that if you give poor people money they can succeed better than if you just keep giving their fucking bosses money like and keep bailing out corporations and shit they can't do that because they because then the game would actually change if you actually gave poor people the fucking means to not be poor anymore the game would fucking change like they can't have that happen um, because they run the dynasties, and I'm not saying that Shapiro right now is a dynasty, but the people that I think he's he, funded by the people who are dynasties. Yeah, the Cokes, hundred percent. Yeah, like the they just, Trumps. They they so badly don't want any prospect of any sort of competition. No, not at all. Um, Ben has a few angles in this episode, and one of them is that he's really fucking mad at the Washington Post, but he's only gonna like tease you with that and then wait for a long time to get to it. So I'm gonna start today by going through what exactly critical race theory is in the words of some of the creators of critical race theory. And then we're going to show you how the media boil this down and how terrible it is for America because they are actively spreading this stuff. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because yesterday I was browsing in advance of the show and I noticed that the front page of the Washington Post, like the front page of the Washington Post, she had this video on it, okay? And the, the title on the video, it's from some new show they call The Lily, is what is white racial identity and why is it important? And the first thing that occurred to me when I saw this, by the way, is that video that was put out by the comedian. Uh, they, I'm trying to remember his name, Ryan something. That video in which it showed a woke person and a racist person, and it turns out they agreed on everything. Okay, because... How else do you get a headline from the Washington Post that says, what is white racial identity and why is it important? Is at the very top of the Washington Post page. And it was connected to a five-minute video about basically why you are, if you are white, you're inevitably guilty and you're responsible to, for evil, citizen, evil systems that are promulgated throughout American life and that result in inequity. The video is, is amazing. 
Uh, Does it actually say that? It, it, it would be easy for his listeners to believe that that's what it really said. But his listeners are also... I'm going to say at least 90% are not going to go and find and watch the video. Probably not. I did. And and he does play most of it for us. So like, oh, okay. He so will, you at least get the audio. Yeah, you'll get the audio, and he will be telling you... He'll be pitching it in his own way. Um, well, he already pitched it. Yeah, he already gave you. He he framed it for what you're supposed to think about it. But he, but the, there, I and I think that his audience will believe him about it because there is a, uh, there is a, they're afraid of whiteness being attacked. Republicans, the GOP only has whiteness and guns now it's, in in 2021. Fa- it's fabricated oppression. It is one hundred percent, and uh, he's gonna accidentally uh, kind of prove that in a little bit. Uh, but here he goes on to tell us from the words of the founders of critical race theory um, what it is. So we're gonna start before we get to the video with an explanation of what CRT is, and then you'll see how it has been basically rebranded, repackaged, gussied up, and then just shoved in your face via places like the Washington Post. So here are the basic tenets of critical race theory. Richard Delgado and Gene Stefanczyk were two of the founders of critical race theory in the late 1970s. So what I'm about to quote is from their book, Critical Race Theory, an introduction. And the reason I'm doing this is because one of the games that the media love to play is when you say critical race theory, they will say, what do you even mean by critical race theory? What I mean is exactly what the founders of critical race theory are saying. How about that? And what I mean by critical race theory is exactly what critical race theory is. I don't mean what the media say that it is because they lie about it. I don't mean what people who don't know what critical race theory say that it is, say that it is. And critical race theory was like assigned reading when I was at Harvard Law School. This was a well-respected branch of thought at Harvard Law School when I was there. And that was all the way back in 2007, I graduated. And so here is some of what they say, Delgado and Stefanczyk, in Critical Race Theory and Introduction. Quote, although critical race theory began as a movement in the law, it has rapidly spread beyond that discipline. So this gives the lie that you'll sometimes hear from people in the media. Well, you know, it was just a legal way of looking at things. It really has nothing to do with the activism. We see it wrong. Okay, even the founders of that movement understand that it is a movement. It start, like most things in life, it started as an academic theory and then eventually turned into a political activist movement. And Marxism originally started as an academic theory and then it turned into a politically activist movement that resulted in the slaughter of, you know, 100 million people. Okay, so it turns out a lot of ideological movements eventually turn out to be practical political movements. You know what other theory, Ben, turned into a practical political movement that killed millions of people? Fucking fascism, you idiot. Like, any idea like that, political idea, ideology, whatever, it's, it's going to is going to fall in line with starting off as a theory because somebody has to think it and then pitch it and then get a group of people to buy it and then what Ben's it grows. really saying is I'd that I'd be like, willing to bet that you could take any idea and spin it into an us first them. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I love that Ben's whole argument is that like well, if you think about it, someone had to have thought it before they invented it. Like, and that just seems crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's how fucking things work, Ben. I also like that he said. So I'm going to explain to you what critical race theory is, and then continued to Does just it, like he's to still, not, he's so still yeah. not doing it. I take it. notes during this to, while we like to let myself know. Three times I've written down as the the note clip title. Ben explains what CTR is, yeah. and then I have to cross it out. The, the, no, he doesn't. That, that last clip in my in in on the computer is what is CRT? Marxism, probably. And then this <laughs> clip is so 
what the fuck is CRT? (laughs) So here's what they write. Although critical race theory began as a movement in the law, it has rapidly spread beyond that discipline. Today, many in the field of education consider themselves critical race theorists who use CRT's ideas to understand issues of of school discipline and hierarchy, tracking controversies over curriculum and history, and IQ and achievement testing. Political scientists ponder voting strategies coined by critical race theorists. Ethnic studies courses often include a unit on critical race theory, and American studies departments teach material on critical white studies developed by CRT writers. Unlike some academic disciplines, critical race theory contains an activist dimension. Again, this is the founders admitting this is an activist ideology. It not only tries to understand our social situation, but to change it. It sets out not only to ascertain how society organizes itself along racial lines and hierarchies, but to transform it for the better. Okay, remember, it's not me saying it. These are the founders of critical race theory saying this. It is an activist ideology designed to tear away at the systems of the United States. And they're bragging that it has spread into every major discipline in the United States. So it's not the right that's claiming this. This is not some sort of chimera. It's not a figment of our imagination. The people who founded it brag openly about how this ideology has spread throughout our institutions. Everything from testing philosophy with regard to educational movements to how people vote, right? All of that has been bled in with regard to CRT. Okay. I still don't feel like you actually explained it. He didn't read the definition. No, No, and he read like the last three sentences of a synopsis. He he will read some some uh, aspects of it here in in a couple of minutes. He did do a hell of a lot though, and there's a couple of points that I think need to be made. One, the the first half of that clip was in my head was just Ben saying education is bad. Like he was just like they're teaching it in schools and uh, they they. they look at polls uh, through the lens of critical race theory. Well, and there like, is the thing, like, in California, <laughs> you're not allowed to, like, by California state law, you're not allowed to give uh, uh, black students the IQ test. Because right. there, was a, there was a whole lawsuit about the fact that it's written and very biased towards white people. Yeah. And, it rely, you know, it's written by white people, so white kids do better on it, so it's inherently biased. Like, right. it's not even a thing for There's debate. There's also mountains it's, of modern literature on why the IQ test is crap yeah it's yeah. crap to begin with uh it's, a, it's about as like, good as a polygraph also, but, but well, ben's using that as like well they're just attacking all the things that we use to define uh intelligence like no we're trying to make people smarter overall but a part of that is we're using what we've learned in the last 40 years right or the last 100 years yeah since the end of like since we've ended jim crow and shit like yeah he also uh, says a couple of other things. He says he makes this statement that uh, it's not me saying this; it's the founders. They're 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 happy that this is spread. I would imagine that the founders of anything would be happy if it spread. Yeah. If I fucking Ben put, is happy his show spread. Yeah. If I that's what I was gonna say. If I put this episode out tonight and we get fucking thousands more listeners because of the subject matter i'm gonna be happy that this shit spread like that that is the way that it is um so that is just the only time you're not happy that something spreads is when you have an std (laughs) yeah fair enough (laughs) um the other thing that i would uh argue is that by him saying that this was founded to tear down the systems of America. Those were his his words, not the fucking founders yeah. of CRT. Those were his words that this was uh, this was created to tear away at the systems of America. Then aren't you, without knowing it, admitting that the systems of America are fucking racist inherently? Like 
Isn't that's that a the, good argument. Isn't yeah, that the point that he's making? It's a stupid argument because no, in no way do you open up th- to their mission statement and they're like, this is meant to topple the no, regime. Yeah, like, right. I, I just like... I guarantee you it probably says something about this is meant to more like earnestly teach Better the life about for the, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I just thought that was crazy when I listened to it because I was like, do you understand what you're saying though? Like most, most people that really care about being a philanthropist and they have a lot of empathy with everybody in their group, which ours is the United States of America wants life to be better for everyone. So like, obviously they spent a lot of time thinking about this. They all got together and they wrote the document. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 again, I would even argue that as we go on, uh, we can say they they wrote a document, as in like these books or whatever, or how to like think about critical race theory or whatever. But like, it very does, it very much does fit a. Uh, like the definition of a theory and in even in the way that it's implied i would also say too and i should have made the point earlier that if at the start of this critical race theory was this in the 70s and has been watered down and dehydrated shouldn't you be less scared of it ben like if it has been like do you if know what watered, watered down, down means? Dehi- <laughs> if it's both watered down and dehydrated isn't it still just the same it's just the same no, <laughs> that's when it becomes weaponized like it's, remix it's, to remix no like, right beca- back to normal be- guys that's when it becomes airborne like anthrax that's when it's the most scary <laughs> yeah something like that so what are the principles of critical race theory so there are essentially four laid out by delgado and stefanchik in this particular book there are two that pretty much everybody agrees on and there are two that are kind of argued about because they're in direct conflict with one another is the first two that everybody agrees about are, quote, first, that racism is ordinary, not aberrational, normal science, the usual way society does business, the common everyday experience of most people of color in this country. Right. So that means that you are racist, even if you don't know you're racist, because the systems are racist and you are shaped by the systems. Racism is not an aberration. You can't point to that guy over there and say, ah, that guy's a racist because he says racist stuff. No, that's not how racism is defined. Racism is just the water in which we swim. Racism is the air that we breathe, everything that surrounds us, the miasmatic substances that surround us and in which we live our lives. Those are where racism lives. Racism is ordinary the way that breathing air is ordinary and drinking water is ordinary. Right? It's normal science. Okay, he's being very disingenuous. Okay, uh, yeah. so much so. He because, tried to make that confusing. Yeah, he did. There, and there is no way, like, I, if, because the beginning of that he was quoting, right? He, yeah. The way he was reading, yeah, yeah. He was quoting directly from it. That did not say that you cannot point at someone and say they're racist because they said the N word. It also didn't say. It also it, that he is inferring that, and that is a like. It's a also heavy about inferring. the systems. So he is inferring that we each each and every one of us is racist, and we can't defeat that. Like that is that is the way that he's trying to sell it to his audience is that like they want you to believe that you're a racist even if you have five black friends. And, and that's not what they're saying. They're saying that if you're saying. if you're not black, if you're a white, if you're a male, you benefit from that. Yes. It's yeah. Yeah. It's Which about undeniably. It's not that you're a racist. It's, it's com- that you benefit from a racist system. Right. It is it, the the what the. Major point in critical race theory seems to be the systems work this way, and these are the effects that that has on society and yeah. whatever. And so, for him to say that they want you to feel bad, like that, because that's what he's that's what he's telling his audience. Yeah, that they want you to feel bad for being a white because you're automatically racist. That's not the point that it's making at all. You do benefit 
in different ways. Like yeah. that that's essentially it. That is essentially and what I, it's saying. I don't know about you guys, but like I, I would hope that every American, every white American would have at least a moment of I've no I've thought about it every time I watch a movie or a documentary or think about it for two seconds where I'm like, I'm really lucky to have been born the race I am in this country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I Easily, my life could have been a million times harder. Yeah. And, like, it does make me feel, like, Even ashamed the, a little bit or whatever. Like, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. No. The fascists recognize that, too. The difference between them and us is that, like, th- like they're happy about that. Like, they, they're... Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Ben is going to tell us what the second principle of CRT is. Second, most would agree that our system of white over color ascendancy serves important purposes, both psychic and material. The first feature, ordinariness, means that racism is difficult to cure or address. Okay, this is one of the key tenets of critical race theory. It's very, very difficult to fight racism. Very difficult. Now, the reason they say this is not because they actually want to fight racism. The reason they say this is because their entire proposition is that you cannot fight racism at an individual level. If you call out a racist incident, you have not helped fight racism. The only way to fight racism is to search within your own heart. And even then, it's really not within your own heart because you may have nothing but good intentions. You really have to search inside your own adherence to your environment, right? You have to search inside your own adherence to American systems. Everything must be leveled. Everything must be torn out by the roots. That's how you fight racism. And this is central to their theory. It means that racism is difficult to cure or address. Colorblind or formal conceptions of equality expressed in rules that insist only on treatment that is the same across the board can thus remedy only the most blatant forms of discrimination, such as mortgage redlining or the refusal to hire a black PhD rather than a white high school dropout that do stand out and attract our attention. And so here is where we immediately start sliding into, if there is no equal outcome, then some sort of deep inequity has been done. Right? They're saying that if you fight racism by pointing out that a black PhD should get the math job over the white high school dropout, that's not actually fighting racism. It doesn't do any good because racism is hard to fight and that would be easy. That's not what they say. They're all. saying racism is hard to address. Like it's hard to fight. Yeah. That is not saying that you cannot call out how racist behavior? How butthurt does he just seem about the entire idea of critical race theory? The, I am, uh, the entire dude. idea of being faced with recognizing that we that you might have it better than somebody someone else. I'm butthurt right now that this dumbass went to Harvard at a young age. Like yeah. I feel like Doesn't Harvard that prove the point of critical race theory. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, it, it just—he's a really smart white kid. He just he doesn't he doesn't like that idea he, he he does not want his audience to have to recognize and nor does he want to have to recognize that he may have had some benefits that some other people didn't do For when he is faced with that conclusion or with that statement or idea his feelings get hurt and so he's so he's fucking found a way to essentially lash out through intellectual speak and tell his audience that that everything needs to be ripped out from the roots. Everything has to change. Again, if that's true, you are acknowledging the truth that you don't want to be faced with, right? Yeah, I, he'd never admit to that. He would, he doesn't know that he's doing that. It's not just going to happen that we're going to grind to a halt and everything is going to change as it stands. No, like it's going to be worked into society. Like that's if this, this is, is going to take place. Come on, Ben. You have seen progression in life. Yeah, ben like, seems things to be have really, progressed in life. 
Ben seems to be really he's, nervous. Like he gets kind of like real antsy whenever someone suggests the idea that maybe he got lucky to get where he is. Like that it's not all about work. Some like if of you, it is about connections. Yeah, or or blind luck. Like it, yeah. it, if you it it seems like he's insulted by the fact that anyone would suggest that his success is any is anybody but his like that anything but him is to you know you know the the bummer about this is that like we're going to uh dissect this the way that he's presenting it but i don't believe that he believes this shit like i here's the thing i don't know it's not that i don't believe that he believes it i don't believe that he's as outraged as he wants his audience to be and I, so he's playing a game where this is the thing to grab onto right now because this is what all the conservative talking heads are grabbing onto right now. And if you can make white people feel victimized and 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 mad at fucking I feel minorities, like that's all right? modern conservatism is it, is just it's trying to it's like, whiteness and guns. That's yeah. literally all they trying have. Trying to make white people f- like feel like they're oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a victim narrative like, wh- at this point, I, which I, is so ironic confused. because that's the the charge they level at Democrats is that they just want to play the victim yeah. and, and call everyone racist. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have a few of those. Uh, what about it? Is in twenty twenty one. You know what's interesting though? Um, ben has a problem with people who def- who refuse to define terms, which is interesting <laughs> whoa, to me whoa. because uh, we've already talked about equity and equality. Just spent about ten clip, minutes clip not defining 10, terms. And yeah, we're, we're just getting around to defining it. Yeah, one of the games that the CRT advocates like to play is refusal to define terms. They like to be deliberately vague. The vaguer they are, the more they can claim that you are failing to achieve their purposes. See, when you give people the idea that they get to go ghost hunting, that basically the way you fight racism is, is not to fight actual on-the-ground racism, it's to actually ghost hunt, then no matter what they do, you can say they've not achieved it. No matter what racism they have fought, no matter what racism they oppose, you can say, well, it doesn't matter. Because you see, it's very difficult to fight racism. And you haven't internalized that battle yet. Okay, this is why critical race theory, in essence, is just a cult. You're supposed to follow whatever the cult leaders tell you. And if you don't follow what the cult leaders tell you, they will tell you that you have not been sufficiently loyal to the cause of anti-racism. He's, what is he blathering about? He said to his cult. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Putting a lot of words in the mouths of people that I don't think would ever say that. No, and that's kind of his game. Like As I've noticed through listening to a couple of different episodes on different subjects, his game seems to just be his ability to speak, which is on par. Like He's good. He is a good speaker. But... He would be a hard guy to have a conversation with because I don't feel like I don't feel like he let you talk to be able to challenge him on shit. Like the only way to challenge Ben Shapiro on shit is either to be equally as fast as him or to do what I've spent the last two days doing and just hitting pause every fucking minute and a half and then looking shit up to be like, hey, that doesn't I feel work like in the context live, of I feel like a is. live debate is impossible. I love that yeah. Ben... Because we just talk you in circles. Ben almost takes some of the work out of it for you, though, because he will read what they say and then immediately after claim it says something it does not say. Yeah. And they then, don't say they're going to kick you out of the club and or, then, you know, do anything like... That is a nice thing, but I think that that's a nice thing that works for for people like us who can listen for it. I think that there is, I mean, I would think just based on his popularity and his fucking sales and shit that, like, there's evidence that there's a lot of people that don't pick up on the fact that 
because because what he does is he'll read a fucking quote from the book and, and then, then he, he'll tell you what he thinks about that and you feel like you're being presented with this is what it means he does one of my least favorite things when you're with an audio person is he doesn't say quote when he's quoting something yeah. dan carlin is a podcaster does that all the time and i love it he gives you the quote and then Stop. the unquote yeah he and even changes his inflection and because it's like it's key to to talk yeah. about like when you're quoting something to quote it exactly yeah because like and then and you can talk about what you think that means but you have to say it in its proper context he's doing the thing that he accuses the media of doing yeah i'm not covering the story truthfully he's yeah. mixing when he uh, pundit when he's a pundit and when he's a uh, yeah yeah, just a reader. He is 100% doing that. And because of his uh his speech pattern and his and his ability to uh, I would bet you that if you put like one of those other guys I talked about earlier, uh Alex Jones or Dan Bongino or you know, or like Glenn Beck or whatever, uh, if David you, Knight or any yeah, of those people, if you yeah. gave any of those people the same like 59 minutes that this episode was they could not say as many words as Ben Shapiro. Ooh, like that's an interesting. Like, I bet no, you, I would bet you, he he like doubles or Some maybe even over. Artist out there needs to take an average episode, average amount, and then see who talks the most. Ben, yeah. ben is the kid in typing class that is <laughs> just wrecking everyone ben, else. Yeah. Like Ben missed his true 15, calling. Fifteen thousand words in one class period. <laughs> yeah. Ben Mister's true calling of being one of those guys who does the like the auction guy who talks real fast. Like he could fucking do that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he definitely could. Uh, he did not miss his calling as an advertiser. We're gonna get to more from the authors of Critical Race Theory, and I'm quoting the people who write this stuff. I'm not making it up. I'm quoting it to you because, and the reason I'm doing this again is because the media lie and they say that if you are critical of Critical Race Theory, it's because you haven't done the reading. Okay, I'm reading you the reading, so now you've done the reading. We'll get to that in just one second. First. Let's talk about protecting your home. So there are a thousand reasons why protecting my home matters to me. If somebody stops by or something is going on outdoors around the house, Ring will let me know. It's peace of mind anytime knowing that my home is protected. At my house, I can keep an eye on every corner of the house with Ring. It's easy to install indoor and outdoor cams. I'll tell you, this comes in handy like every single day. So I have three kids. They're constantly running around my house. The little one, because she's a, a small child, she's like a year and a half old. She's just learned to walk and she's constantly bumping into things. If I lose her for like half a second, she might be doing something to get herself in trouble. I rely on my ring devices to let me know where she is at all times because if I look away for one second, she might be gone. This is why I love ring. To get ring alarm for yourself, go to ring.com forward slash Ben. It is the perfect way to start your ring experience. Besides ring being a powerful asset for my home, ring is also an affordable whole home security system you can easily install yourself. It's never been more important to be able to see who's there or what's happening anytime around the house, inside or outside, and I can see it all in one simple app. That's right, with Ring, my family and I can keep an eye on our home no matter where we are right from our phone. How great to know you're not going to miss a visitor with Ring's hassle-free, easy-to-install indoor and outdoor cams and know when those packages are delivered. And keep an eye on your kids. Start protecting your home today with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash Ben. Get your Ring Alarm security kit today. Build the system that's right for your home. Have it up and running in just minutes. That's ring.com slash Ben. Again, ring.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Alrighty, so... Richard Delgado and Gene Stefanczyk continue in Critical Race Theory and Introduction. So they've... All right. So there's a couple of reasons that I kept his ad. There's I kept a couple of ads on this, uh, but although I let that full ad play, and I don't think I do that again. Um, there's a couple of reasons I wanted to keep it on there, though. One, Ben hates fucking privacy rights. He wants to know what every member in his family is fucking doing and where they're at at all times. But that, my freedom! That's fucking <laughs> weird. Two, 
uh, fuck his advertisers. I will keep their names on it so that you can sh- be mad at them for being associated with his fucking brand. Uh, I don't mind shitting on his fucking advertisers. And if at we all. get a cease and desist, we'll just edit it out. Yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> it, it, we'll we'll handle it. Really f- funny thing about Ring, uh, it's almost like they're trying to sell you netflix but the only series on there is your own home (laughs) never miss an episode of your house that's the way that he sells it (laughs) do you want to see it from an angle you rarely see it all right (laughs) we got that up in that corner in your foyer Uh, um do you want to suddenly have to get used to always being on camera to the point where it like becomes normal i don't (laughs) you can no longer walk around the house naked because what if your kid picks up your phone what if you get hacked did you like truman show (laughs) well we've got a deal for you Enter Ben in some bullshit website. Fuck his advertisers. Uh, so anyway, uh, that'd be the most boring dailies to have to watch. The dailies from Ben Shapiro's house. It's just him <laughs> sitting there, fucking you know, praising one, himself. That one, honey, port, I am so smart. Not getting invited to I drug to parties. At Sixteen. That one poor intern has to f- just filter through all of it. <laughs> that'd be horrible, awful. His wife is, like, doing it with other guys. He's fucking <laughs> watching. That's what I imagine. <laughs> Instead of in the closet, he's out in his car in the garage with the, uh, the phone app open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting interesting times at the Shapiro house. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, all right. So he goes on to tell us some shit that you expect from right-wing grifters. We've already established a few key principles here, okay? One, racism is ordinary, not aberrational. Two, White overcolor ascendancy serves important purposes. Okay, what they say here is that this second principle, white overcolor ascendancy serves important purpose, uh, purposes. This actually is deeply tied into policy. They say this second feature, sometimes called interest convergence or material determinism, has a further dimension. Because racism advances the interests of both white elites material or materially and working class people psychically, large segments of society have little incentive to eradicate it. Okay, so the idea here is that racism, again, is all around you, and it serves you. You may think that you're against racism. You're not. You're happy about racism, because if you're an elite, it serves you materially. The system serves you. As an elite, the system serves you. The system is racist. Therefore, you are racist in upholding the system. If you are a poor white person, you are still privileged by the system, because you psychically get to look at all these people of color and say those people of color are less than I am, and therefore, I have more common cause with the white elite than I do with the people who are of my own class. And you may notice a Marxist tinge here, right? Because now we're talking about class differentiation and why really people should have class solidarity rather than racial solidarity. And you can see that the Marxist dimension has started to slip in here because as we'll explain in just a second, critical race theory isn't a neo-Marxist movement. It is an offshoot of critical theory, which is in and of itself a, a Marxist movement. Okay, so what are the effects of this? Okay, so Derek Bell, who's again a major critical race theorist, we'll get to more on him in a second. He had a shocking proposal that Brown versus Board of Education, for example, right? That is one of the great anti-racist moments in American history of an actual Supreme Court decision saying that under the Constitution of the United States, it is illegal for blacks and whites to be forced into separate schools. Derek Bell says that this just promulgated more racism. He says that the Brown versus Board of Education, considered a great triumph of civil rights litigation, may have resulted more from the self-interest of elite whites than a desire to help blacks. I really, I'm, I'm curious what he's trying to say here and what he thinks the actual definition of aberrational actually, actually is. What I think is a word not... that I had to look <clears throat> up. Uh, it, the, the definition, and there's three different definitions. The one we're looking for here is unsoundness or disorder of the mind. So what they're saying in the tenets of CRT is that racism is ordinary, meaning it exists. 
and that it is not an aberration or an unsoundness or disorder of the mind. So it's not like something that you could say you can't chalk it up to like mental illness. Like that person's racist because they just don't understand life. Right. Right. And what Ben seems to be not understanding with this whole like racism serves you so you won't fight it thing is that it's like the 13th Amendment. What the, what the guy's essentially saying in that uh, the argument I think Ben is hearing and not understanding is like the 13th Amendment might have like abolished slavery, but it also put in that clause about uh, unless you're in jail. So then it became like, well, jail is the new well, he's also, slavery, you know. He's also mischaracterizing the whole point of what Derek A. Bell Jr. said uh, about Brown versus Board of Education. Ben's entire like cherry picked line from this paper is uh, is first of all it's only cherry picked to serve his purpose. Secondly, well, like everything he's read so far, right? Um, secondly, that's not the enti- that's not the point of what Bell was trying he, to say an, in the in, overall. It's not an writing. indictment of board versus the Brown of Education. He's no. not saying we should go back and overturn it. No, what he's saying is that there it, it created its own host of problems that we're now having to deal with. Something else I have a, a problem with is that Ben keeps purposely misconstruing what the what he is reading means and and so one of the things that he said in that clip was that you're inherently racist and you're happy about it so you like he he makes he tells his audience that you're happy about it so that that way then if you're an audience member who is buying into this oh they're just they're just shitting all over the whites uh mentality that ben is propagating um the idea then becomes, well, I'm not happy about racism, so he must be right because clearly cr- they are lying. Like critical race theory must be wrong because if Ben is telling me that I have to believe that I'm happy about somebody else being put down is the reality, then that's wrong, and I don't agree with that. And like, but that's not the point. The point always comes back to how have you benefited whether you're happy about it or not doesn't matter that's ben's input the the entire idea is have you benefited and how have you benefited in ways that other groups of people haven't it's not this idea of just completely shitting on white people for being white it's the observance of what really fucking happens it's reality and they're scared of that reality because if we have to admit that we weren't that that we have it better than some other people or that we haven't always been the greatest group of fucking people as white people we might owe somebody something and we don't feel like we should have to yeah that's his point or ben's children might have to you know start off on the same footing as a kid born in the inner cities with no, with the parents who have no money, right? You know, like, and that's really what Ben doesn't want because he worked his ass off, so his, his kids case, have a massive advantage. They, like or his in his case, did. Right. they live in some place akin to Malibu out in L.A. Yeah, and then he doesn't want to have to share his piece of the pie with some kid from Compton, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's what's weird is that it's not even if, his piece of the pie. Like Ben is not Ben's Ben's wealthy. He's not wealthy enough that we're including him in the elite. No. No, like, no, no, he is no. not near the 1% stratosphere of people we're talking about. Like, although, how about if they pay their fair share, we can all live better? Although, if we were playing his game, I'm pretty sure that he would, that when he says the elite, he means all leftist. Any leftist 
is elite because they believe these things that the elite sold them. Well, that's also because they, they've tied it to Hollywood. And right. Everybody right. just thinks that Hollywood is ultra-rich people, which, which they're not even in the 1%. Which is ridiculous because— I will argue that Hollywood is not uh, liberal at all. It's just impossible to make movies about conservative values. That are really any good because Not most possible. of them are just, just like very often well, that they're like berated. Well, then it's, it's, it's mostly <laughs> the same movie. It's John Wick, and, and the message is guns are good. Yeah, the justice system bad. You got to do it by yourself, and guns help you. Ben is going to tell us now about the third uh, principle of CRT, and then. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll let him explain what it. What he thinks of it anyway. Okay, so these are the first two themes, and these are the ones that everybody kind of agrees on. One is that racism is ordinary, not aberrational. And the second is that that ordinariness serves important psychic and material purposes for white people, right? Your whiteness makes you enjoy the racism of the system. Okay, then we get to two principles of CRT that are sort of in conflict with one another. And, and when I say sort of, I mean almost directly in opposition to one another. According to Delgado and Stefanczyk, a third theme of critical race theory, the social construction thesis, holds that race and races are products of social thought and relations, not objective, inherent, or fixed. They correspond to no biological or genetic reality. Rather, races are categories that society invents, manipulates, or retires when convenient. Okay, so then you might say, okay, well, that that sounds more like, you know, the Martin Luther King thing. Okay, so if, if race is a social construction, then we really should attempt to see beyond race. We should see individuals as individuals. Okay, but no, this is not what critical race theorists argue. Instead, they argue the systems of power are racist, and they have made up race as a social construct in order to damn other people. But the way that you get beyond that is not by seeing beyond race. The way that you get beyond that is by embracing race. Did they? I don't believe they actually said. No, they, the quote, what he read was them saying the opposite, is that like society creates racism, that it's it, like, right. it's not, you're not born he, with it. It's something that's. Yeah, like they didn't say that race was created for the purpose of oppression they didn't right. they didn't say that what what they're saying is that race doesn't exist we are all human yeah right and well and they would also argue that race is uh that how one identifies race too is different than any type of social construction could de- define race like yeah uh race only exists because like race really only exists as a problem for our society because we all see it as a problem because we we are not a problem but we all see it as a different we all see it yeah that's honestly it if we were all blind if we were blind as a society it was was labels that we put on it to describe ethnicity and that's what we ran with. I don't think anything that he's talking about, though, like, I, first of all, I really want to read this book now because these guys seem like they know what they're talking about. Because every time he quotes directly from them, I'm like, I'm nodding my head like, yep, yep. Yeah. And then yeah. the moment he, I can tell when he stops quoting because I immediately go to nope. Like, you're et- wrong, Ben. Ethnicity, humans like simple things and simple descriptions. And ethnicity is infinitely more complicated than just race. Right. Yeah. So yeah. this is why it exists, because it's a simple explanation, although not completely right. I think that is right, though. There's a lot. I mean, like. is No, ben- like that, that race is a simple definition that is not yeah. completely right. It doesn't give you the I'm, whole picture. I'm curious, because, like, their whole point is that uh, socially constructed ra- uh, racism is, is how it, it comes, right? That's right. how it, we get it. You're not born with it. It's it's uh, n- uh, nature versus nurture. So it's it's nature. And is Ben's whole point that, like, no, you are born racist? Yeah. Like, it's part of us that we're all different, and that's just inherent? 
Ben Ben's points keep changing because, because what he keeps saying contradicts what he's what reading. He's reading, yeah. Um, I pulled a paper from Smith College um, on the uh, social construction and racial identity, like part of of this. Um, this is by Elizabeth is Castrillion. Castrillion. I don't know how to how to pronounce her last name, uh, Smith College for Social Work, Northampton, Massachusetts. Um, we do not usually think that there is anything wrong with the ways in which people are sorted into races. That is, with the criteria for membership in different races, because we think that what a, that what race a person belongs to is obvious from looking at him or her. We do not question the naturalness of racial differences or the very existence of races. We go about our business as though there are, there have always been human races and there will always be human races. The intent of this theoretical thesis is to explore the social construction of race and racial identity to examine how social work practice contributes to social construction for purposes of this theoretical study researcher draws heavily upon helms literature uh search literature search that defined race as socio-political construction that is not biologically inherent to to this definition of race the current researcher also adds behavior as a social construct of race an individual's behavior is impacted by the construction of race currently in place and at the same time the behavior solidifies the current construction of race this is important because social workers must be aware of how their attitudes and behaviors towards race and racial identity affect their interactions with clients they serve. The preamble of Code of Ethics in 2008, set by the National Association of Social Workers, calls for social workers to be sensitive to cultural and ethnic diversity and strive to end discrimination, oppression, poverty, and other forms of social, just, social injustice. Here's an easy example uh, where like, race doesn't allow you any full sort of definition of a human being you have a muslim with a turban and you have a sikh with a turban you you give any random american to look at both of those people and they'll say they're the same they they're far from it i wouldn't (laughs) be able to tell the difference um most people won't yeah so the she goes on like that's where that's what race gets you is that they're the same they're not well and her point early on in that quote brandon sorry to keep interrupting but uh that like people think of race as like oh you can just see it there's a, but that's not that easy there are no like at all especially once you get into there are a lot of people who are of mixed race and well, that look one way but are actually the other yeah and that and that's what that leads me to this point um so she goes on our society often defines race as the color of one's skin physical features and physical uh and or physical agile um however historically within the united states race and racial identity can be recognized as a fluid and changing phenomenon by example the u.s census validates these changes throughout history the 2010 u.s census lists 14 different racial categories in addition to the option to check more than one box and fill one self-designated race however in 1970 the u.s census asked for one's for color or race, and listed only eight categories, including the option to fill in one self-designated race. This researcher's review of the literature shows that many researchers have explored the concept of racial identity, yet the literature on the subject shows that there are many definitions for racial identity. 
The lack of consistency among researchers regarding the definition of racial identity is a reflection of its complexity. Existing racial identity development models attempt to capture these stages that a person of color may go through in order to maintain a positive self-image in a racist society. When thinking about racial identity, one must take into consideration not only the categories available to him or her, but also the process that goes through that one goes through in order to self-identify with a particular category. Uh, racial identity theory has defined race as a sociopolitical construction in which racial groups are not biologically distinct and these racial groups experience different conditions of domination or oppression. The most common model, models of racial identity have focused on the experience of African Americans, although these models can be applied and have been applied to the experience of other individuals of color in the United States. Racial identity has often been thought about in terms of self-identification. However, models of racial identity development for biracial and multiracial individuals have pointed out that there can be difference between an individual's self-identification, uh, others' perception of that individual's race identity, and the racial categories available at the moment in history that individuals choose as an choose as an identity. Yes. Yeah. It's also a great point because, like. What are we? We're white. Like, I don't know what that term really means. Because uh, who is included as being white changes over time. Yeah, Ben's going to get into that in a few minutes. Oh, God, <laughs> I can't wait. Unfortunately. Um, the expert. I, I do, I will remind you that he pointed out that the third and fourth principles of... Uh, that they contradict each that other. they contradict yeah. each other. So we've just gone through the third That was principle. 3A. Yeah, this that was 3B. I mean, Purely out of, like, existing in an academic forum, there would be no way that this would ever be accepted as a sound philosophical argument and have made it as far as it has if there are two contradicting principles. Right. It wouldn't happen. They yeah. Would, they would shoot it down and they'd make it better. But you don't expect to fucking... I don't well, expect that from Ben. It serves his purpose because it, serves, it, it, yeah. it makes people well, he able won't to even, just write it he off He won't crap. even admit what the first part really was. He's twisted no, it. So yeah. Like, of course it's not going to line up with what the second part is. I think it's a... He does that better than some of the other people that I've mentioned, like Alex Jones and such, uh, where he is able to play... Not He's not playing clips, but he's able to take a quote and then say it means the exact opposite of what you just heard. And to the people who are buying into his shit, they're buying into his shit. Like, they are buying that what he just told me about what that says is what it says. But if you're listening to the fucking words, it's not. That is, yeah. So here he explains the fourth principle of critical race theory. Okay, which brings us to the fourth thesis, which is in direct conflict with the third thesis. The fourth thesis is the notion of a unique voice of color. Coexisting in somewhat uneasy tension with anti-essentialism, the voice of color thesis holds that because of their different histories and experiences with oppression, black, Indian, Asian, and Latino writers and thinkers may be able to communicate to their white counterparts matters that the whites are unlikely to know. Minority status, in other words, brings with it a presumed competence to speak about race and racism. The legal storytelling movement urges black and brown writers to recount their experiences with racism in the legal system and to apply their own unique perspectives to assess laws, master narratives. Okay, this is where you get into the superiority of the, of the perspective of people of color. Right? White people can't talk about this stuff. They're presumed incompetent to talk about this stuff. Now, you may say, wait a second, I thought that race was a social construct. Ah, uh, but no, because in essence, this fourth thesis is more important than the third thesis. 
there is racial essentialism. If you are white, you suffer from whiteness. If you're a person of color, you have a presumed superiority to speak about racism, and we must listen to your perspectives on the system. What a weird is, way to fucking twist it that. It has nothing to do with superiority. <laughs> no, but... No, and also saying that, uh, saying that writers that are people of color or that are minorities or that have had like justice system problems the, should speak on that is not saying that white people can't. Here's the, the that simplest, is where he's reading behind between the lines. The simplest definition is that we as white people will not experience the same racism right. that a black person would yeah. which, inside of a court of law. This that, is some, like like if you ever see like the movie Blood Diamonds came out and then all of a sudden it was a big thing of like women not wanting like engagement yeah. Re- like yeah, they want conflict free diamonds. As a society very stupid. Right. But we, so, like, yeah, it's, if you want to, like, sway us, it's best to go at us through pop culture or through the writer, like, the greatest writer. Like, yeah, right. that's just obvious. I think Ben can only think of race in terms of of superiority. Um, and because he's, like, I think he's trying. He's all tied up in eugenics. <laughs> well, he's saying that, that, to, that trying to understand the minority perspective is itself minority superiority. And that's fucking ridiculous that essentially they're getting no, right the narrative yeah, I, no, no one ever said anything about being superior well no, except and for and him no one which said, i think is a tell because like yeah. to me when i heard it i was like you can only define he, race he's trying by who is on top and who is on trying bottom. to give him the ronald right. reagan you know the, the, these people of color are getting uppity yeah yeah the, and, and, and no one is suggesting that like the only literature we should have should be from the perspective of minorities. That is where he's taking this huge leap. They're not saying that white people can't write books. No, they're just saying that like, hey, you know what? To to really understand he's the, tr- the the black voice in America, maybe you should read books by black people. He's trying to convey to his audience that you that they want you to feel stupid now. Like they already want to tear down the systems that like they already want you to feel sad. Like he's already told them to like, feel sad and guilty, and now he's saying they want you to feel stupid yeah. too because he's trying to like that's. The whole psychological game that he's playing is to get his audience to be mad at this theory. And so, like, he's using, he's dropping these little emotional attachments to. It's so fucking ironic that he's saying, like, they want you stupid while at the same time reading something and then telling you what that it means the exact opposite of what it says. Like, he's trying to make it more complicated because it's, it's, the answer is simple. Like, I'm in, I'm in the park minding my own business. I'm not going to get the cops called on me just because I'm looking at birds. Right. The, right. The or answer, jogging in a neighborhood. Yeah. The, the answer is simple. Yeah, ran down and shot because right. I'm jogging in a neighborhood. None of us have ever thought when we got pulled over that we might not make it through this step. Right? Correct. Like, yeah. none of us have ever. So, like, yeah, there's some in shit fact, I don't fucking know, Ben. In fact, I've gotten out of a lot of tickets for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I also, have you ever walked into a store and then, like, like either you forgot your wallet or you don't need anything. They don't have what you need, so you have to walk out without anything. And you're worried that like they might think you're stealing. I, Imagine walking around a store and having everyone think that all the fucking time, no matter what. Just yeah, while you're walking, that's around. something I've never had to deal with. I've yeah. never had to no. deal with the kind of like it, and to not understand that to me just seems like it. it he he has to know he's full of shit, right? He's he went to Jewish. Harvard. He went to They're Harvard. Like the He's most hated people guy. on the planet. Like, how the fuck? Yeah, throughout history, throughout they've experienced history, the most oppression. Yeah. What the fuck, Ben? Like, he, he should be able to see that, like, recognize that, and, and know that I, as a non-Jewish person, will never understand that. Right. 
from his point of view. Yeah, that's why I don't believe that the he whole, believes the this. The whole point is to get people to understand from somebody else's point of view. I, which I don't know that, why like, that's the hardest thing to in do the in the same world, way but apparently it people, is. People, like, if you're not white, you don't understand the guilt that comes along with, like, benefiting from a system that you don't like. Right. And that you don't know how to change exactly and feeling guilty all the time. Like, and, th- and that's nowhere near the same as being black in America and then no. dealing with that. But, like, you don't know what other people go through because you're not them. Right. So that's why it's good to talk and listen to other people because you're like, huh, I didn't think about well, that perspective. Well, it hurts Ben's feelings. Well, anytime you listen to Ben, you just become enraged because he's such a piece yeah, of I shit. get enraged at his fucking voice. It doesn't matter what he's saying. <laughs> this one made me laugh because I was just like, Ben, do you have eyes, man? Now, all of this is the outgrowth of critical theory. Critical theory is a branch of thought that began in the early 20th century with something called the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School posited basically that systems of power and hierarchy throughout the world were in fact covers for discrimination and cruelty. And thus, we had to be super critical about all of those systems of power. It was a Marxist theory that basically said that everything bad in Nazi Germany was a product of capitalism. Everything in America, the the Frankfurt theorists actually openly said that America in the 1950s was proto-fascist, that it was going to lead to Nazi Germany, which is, of course, insane. They were Marxists. Of course, they believed that. Was it? Is it insane, Ben? Is it insane that America was proto-fascist and that could lead to Nazi America or Nazi Germany in America? Because it fucking feels like that's where we're headed, Ben. Do you think without the 60s and 70s <sighs> that we were we would already be there? Maybe. Like if we didn't have the big love, peace, and chicken grease movement? I don't know if that's what did it. I mean, I think that you're – I think – the, I think after the 90s, it was more primed to. I feel like the 90s happen. were pretty angry. Well, era I think too. the 60s too. Listen, yeah, but I like watching. To, look at, well, there is anger in every era, but at the same time, like the 90s, there wasn't a whole lot of love and happiness going on. There it wasn't was just anger all around. But there wasn't a whole lot of wealth gap at the extent that it is now. It's very true. And yeah. I think that when you start, I really to think it was push, the 60s and 70s because after like the 50s were booming, everyone had houses. The 60s, you get into like more depression and recession. You get into like a whole generation of people who saw Martin Luther King and JFK killed on their TVs, you know, yeah. live. Uh, people landing on the moon, like everything was changing. I think it's been going since like I think it's been going, but I then. but I think that it gets increasingly worse once the perpetual war starts and the economic situation. Like once more people get pushed into poverty, like you can only put so much stress on a population of people. Before, like, shit starts to crack. Like, you can even kind of see it in the political system, too, because, like, as of right now, like, when one side has power, the only thing that ever gets passed is stuff that they like. And at least that's what it feels like. Unless you're the Democrats who can't fucking govern. Well, <laughs> that's for another episode, possibly <laughs> yeah, on another show. Fair enough. <laughs> but, like, you, I, I remember in the, in the 90s, even in the 2000s with Bush, there would be a lot of negotiation and a lot of agreements, like came, like coming to a central point where they can pass a law that makes at least half of each yeah, side Yeah, eventually happy. Newt Gingrich and fucking Clinton signed the same bill. Yeah. Like, and Gingrich is a shit. Now, Gingrich started this and shit. And now, now it's just gridlock. Nobody wants to work with anybody. Like, so when one side has power, it's absolute power for them. When the other side has power, it's absolute power for them. And I feel like it's been that way for most of my adult life now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going Which, to... 
that eventually leads to what? Marxism? <laughs> no, no. Fascism? <laughs> what happened Civil in Nazi War? Germany? Yeah, like, there are a few options, but, like, most of them aren't good, so... Now I'm depressed. Yeah, I'm well, depressed. Then, there's a lot more clips, so you're going to stay that way. And critical theory is, is a sort of neo-Marxist movement in which power defines everything, right? Which, as you can see, bled, the, the only difference between sort of critical theory and critical race theory, you can see the similarity in the names, is the word race, right? Instead of saying that all of the systems of power are, are created in order to help the upper class, which is sort of what critical theory posits, critical race theory posits that all of the systems of power were created in order to help people of specific races, okay? Which is why there is pretty heavy crossover. So Derek Bell, who I mentioned earlier, again, one of the founders of critical race theory, and a man who Barack Obama famously hugged in the 1980s as he was trying to preserve his tenure at Harvard Law School despite having done very little academic work. Derek Bell wrote the whole liberal worldview of private rights and public sovereignty mediated by the rule of law needed to be exploded. A worldview premised upon the public and private spheres is an attractive mirage that masks the reality of economic and political power. Right, so what is the end goal of critical race theory, according to people like Derek Bell? Explode the system. The end goal is to teach everybody that they are the products of a corrupt system. The only way to extirpate and expurgate your own whiteness is to involve yourself in this great task of exploding the system. Ideas of private and public rights. The idea of liberal worldviews in which you have the right to freedom of speech or the right to own your own property. All of these things lead to discrimination and not, not only lead to them, spring from a desire to uphold discrimination. This is the fundamental political theory of critical race theory. Okay, at this point in the episode, I believe that he knows he's selling racism to his fucking audience and he doesn't want, he's finding ways to say it so so they don't know it. Found a major loophole in his opening couple of statements there uh, that the like founding set of laws and rules uh, were made to help only certain races. Why do you think we had to have an amendment made for the abolishment of slavery? Yeah, right. <laughs> no shit. Look at Jim Crow laws. That is undoubtedly true. Yeah. That laws have been passed that, that benefit exclusively the white race in America. He's also he's also explained critical theory a little bit his way. He said, "Hey, that sounds like critical race theory, doesn't it? See, it's only one word different." And then he fucking tells you why that makes critical race theory bad, and he cherry picks one sentence from Derek Bell about exploding the system. And then he goes on about it's the scare tactic with his audience is like they want to change everything. But again, without realizing that he's furthering the point of the critical race theorists that like, dude, you're afraid that they're going to change everything. And the reason that you're afraid of that is because everything benefits you like so it. And that's and so I, I believe at this point in the episode that he that he knows he is selling a racist message. Whether he's racist or not, what he is doing is he is selling a message that that we want to keep this white country the way that it is without saying it. And but he but I believe that he knows he's selling that to his audience because his I, audience I is the people that will buy for, he's buy not that. A dumb guy. Like listen to him talk. Like the fact that he went to Harvard young enough, you can tell. Like he he has some intelligence. There's you know. 
I don't think he's right in half the shit he says, but I also don't believe he knows he's not right. I think it's his, the thing about making money. His yeah. show his show runs for what, an hour and a half? Uh yeah. I think I think So then the rest of his day he spends like researching and writing his next show. So it's it, he's not just firing at the hip for all this. Like it, it, he knows exactly what he wants to sell by the time he's done writing the script for his show on the day before. Right. What, yeah. However long in advance he prepares for this. Well, stuff. and he's selling it to a specific demographic, the people that right. listen to his show, and he knows what that demographic is. And I'm going to guess that it's probably uneducated white people well, that think that he sounds smart. And when he talks about the media reports on it, I guarantee you if you go look at any right-wing media who's been reporting on critical race theory, it lines up very closely with Ben Shapiro's take of misinterpreting or, mis, you know, He definitely fools educated white it. people, too, because the, the, the whole conservative movement as it exists right now encompasses a, a, a range of people. And I guarantee you a lot, or at least a little bit, out of every single group of person that is in the conservative movement listens to it. So we can't just say that it's uneducated, uneducated white true. people yeah. as a blanket statement. That's fair. This is definitely playing to their ears more than some. Again, and I, and you're right, and I think, too, like going back to my earlier point, that like he has a way of talking in which, unless you listen to it for two days straight and keep pressing pause you're not going to be able exactly. to say yeah. that ben Sit, shapiro sitting here is, and deep diving it yeah instead of just listening to it on your commute yeah or while you're working yeah like you're gonna miss a lot of what he says because of how fast he talks and how he runs like four different ideas all at the same time right yeah he's he's the bill belichick of political punditry <laughs> Yeah, I don't watch football, so I don't. I know he's very good at strategy. There you Let's go. Let's put it that way. Um, I feel like we're an hour and a half into us recording, and we've talked about maybe twenty minutes of Ben's show, uh, if we're lucky. About thirty, probably so far. Um, so, but let me tell you what Ben has in common with every right wing grifter who is appealing to the same audience. He doesn't like somebody, an entity. Do you have an idea of who it is? He's already said it. Liberals. The media. Oh, oh himself. Also. Himself. He fucking self. He, yeah, there's some self-loathing. Okay, so all of this is the lead up to how the media present this stuff. Okay, so the way that the media present this stuff is as a way to fight racism. So they discovered that using the term critical race theory is actually not particularly helpful because people look at it and they go, wait, this sounds like super stupid and racist. This sounds like you want to tear down the most successful systems that have ever been created for creating the possibility of prosperity, wealth, equality, right? You want to get rid of those. It sounds like you want to explode those. Why would we possibly listen to you? So instead, they come with this new rubric, and the new rubric is this is anti-racism. So what they do is they take critical race theory's idea of race, which is that it is implicit in everything, and then they say, in order to be anti-racist, you have to tear down the systems. So they've shifted the definition of racism from stuff that we all understood to be racism, namely a belief in the superiority or inferiority of an individual based on their racial characteristics. They took that, they trashed it, and they said, no, that's not what real racism is. Real racism is believing in the system. So anti-racism would be destroying the system. So under that rubric of quote-unquote anti-racism, they've started to infiltrate all of the major institutions. The word racism is such a powerful word in American public life because of the true and vicious history of racism in the United States that if you can hijack that word, and if you can morph that word into a code word for the system and tearing down the system, if you can do all of that, 
You've achieved unbelievable things on behalf of a left that wishes to destroy all of those systems in the name of some sort of greater equity. And this is exactly what the Washington Post proposes to do. Okay, talks about that. that is a lot that they propose to do with a simple five-minute video. He that also, doesn't show talks that. about the system as if it's the only system. He also, I feel like he's just like Freudian slip after Freudian slip. Like the dude is like anti-racism is bad. The system, he's he has to. You have to be led to the conclusion that if he is afraid of blowing up the system, but the side that wants to blow up the system wants to blow up the racism within the system, then he supports the racist system. And they're not saying that... There's no other conclusion. They're not really saying that the system itself is racist. They're saying that it can lead to racism. Well, and they're saying the system of racism within... Yeah. Whatever. I also have a big problem with with Ben Shapiro conflating, like... You know damn well that these like him saying that the uh, they're attacking the the the, the best con- institutions ever created to create prosperity. We have more wealth inequality in this country than other countries do. Right. So don't give me bullshit about we're the best. Well, these you're are the saying best systems that, ever put in place. You're saying that as a powerful not. white guy who owns fucking media and outlets. And who benefits massively from the way things are. Right. He has the most vested interest in he things also, not changing. I also feel like it's a Freudian slip when he says that the they want to blow all this shit up for the benefit of the left. You're just telling me that the right is fucking in support of these racist systems that you refuse to acknowledge, right? Like, if if exploding the racism within the system is a bad thing in Ben's mind, and the outcome is that we will benefit the left from a political standpoint, then the only reasonable path to get there is, is, that to, the believe, right is to believe the opposite. is to believe that the right stands for the opposite yeah 100 percent. i don't think he's thought that works. through uh-huh funny how logic works yeah right but like but that's the thing is like to his audience like dude's just talking so much that like i feel like the majority of his audience wants to or already does halfway believe some of the ideas that he's putting out there so then when he does this at this point critical race theory bad right well and destroy it he's doing this like verbal and mental gymnastics in a way where if you're not if i'm driving in the car me who has sat here and cut this apart for the last 48 hours if i'm driving in the car it's possible for me to go all right he might not be wrong on that like and so if somebody already is, is poised to want to believe this shit, instead of being, instead of taking that position that, all right, he might not be wrong, they're probably going to go to, yeah, he's probably right. And then it perpetuates this idea that what he is saying about critical race theory, which he is completely misrepresenting, is true. It is accurate. And it's fucking not. And, like, he's playing the game of, I'm going to tell you some shit and then tell you why it's the opposite. And he also, he does that thing again in that last clip where he, he goes from finishing an idea about something that is, that, that is written or, and without even properly explaining it, he's like, he puts in his punditry right behind it. So it sounds like it's a further like it sounds like he's furthering the point of what's written and that's not accurate like he is just uh, he's just perverting whatever he has just read 
um, to make the opposite point. He's, he's putting his own lens on it. Yeah. Um, so he, he makes a statement, pauses, puts his lens on it, makes a statement, pauses, puts his lens on it, maybe even prefaces the next one with a lens, makes the statement, and then further adds to the lens. Yeah, that's, I would argue he doesn't pause either. He just runs yeah, one he, to the other. Well, his pause is like, what he, uh, yeah, like taking a breath, yeah, a, a short breath in, yeah, like an opera singer. So uh, he really doesn't like the Washington Post, though. Okay, finally, this brings us to the Washington Post. Understanding your whiteness video. It is all about understanding your whiteness. And truly, this is racist crap because, as you may have noticed, the notion of racial essentialism that your racial characteristics define you and define your perspective is racism. The notion that we ought to treat you as superior or inferior in your outlook on the world based on your race is, in fact, the classical definition of racism. But it's now anti-racism because it's directed against destroying the quote-unquote racist systems. Okay, so this comes out as a weird bunch of gobbledygook nonsense. I'm going to try and translate it for you here. Here's the Washington Post lead story yesterday, again, from Washington Post, The Lily. Real quick, I want to pause it. Everything that he just explained as like those were the gook nonsense made perfect sense. Well, they were. They're also the way that he described them is the way that he interprets interpreted that, right? and pitched them. So, like that's not what you read us when you read us the shit, but that is what you determined that it meant. And now we are supposed to take it as fact. Yeah, none, to, of, none of this is objective reading. No, not at all. This is this is he, very he pointed. Prefa- he prefaces people on what he thinks about it, and it's just going to like make them already have that in their mind as he gets into describing, or at least saying that he's describing what right. idea he's at, when really he just gives you a little small tidbit. Yeah. And that way you just fill in the blanks with what he tells you he well, thinks about it. And with what he has just done, we are witnessing him like change in real time the definition of what it is we're talking about. He is putting his own – like now it doesn't matter what he's already read us. Like we've determined that it means this, which is what I determined that it means. So now we're starting from that point as we continue the conversation. And that's bullshit. You've just changed the definition of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Racism, racialization, white body supremacy is not episodic. It's structural. Remember that there were um, thousands of George Floyd before the one that you saw. Your bodily response to this, this horror, right? is not the same thing as you dealing with the structural aspects of this. George Floyd's death became a deeply personal and racial tragedy for many Americans. For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic ways that white supremacy affects all of us. White people in particular get aroused, get upset, say this is unjust, this isn't right, this shouldn't happen. There's like an awakening that happens. And so part of their racial identity development is seeing that awakening. What they do with it is really the next piece of it. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis, and this is The New Can you pause it there for a second? Alrighty, so understanding your white identity. Now, you may have thought to yourself, I don't really have a white identity. Like for me, I'd be considered white by these folks. I'm Jewish. My identity is many different things, but kind of in terms of ethnicity, it's more Jewish because that actually connects to how I act in the real world. And and honestly, I don't care about ethnicity. So my Jewish ethnic identity is really only tied into the fact that as the son of a Jewish mother, I am religiously Jewish, right? By that law. But 
My ethnicity really has nothing to do with it. And the idea of a general white identity is also very weird because the only aspect of quote unquote white identity is generally in American history in opposition to quote unquote black identity or Asian identity or Mexican identity. But the reality is that for the vast majority of history and including American history, people didn't see themselves in terms of white identity. They saw themselves in terms of sort of where they came from. There was Irish identity, there was Italian identity, there was Czech identity, there was Jewish identity, there was Russian identity. And if you go to Europe today, trying to say to an Italian, you have white identity, they'd be like, what? I'm Italian. What are you talking about? Like Brits and Italians, they have different cultural heritages because culture is not the same as ethnicity. The attempt to cudgel everybody who is not a person of color into the white identitarian category is an awkward one and is, in fact, a social construction. So he just said... I get, uh, look, I get his point that uh, you can't just blanket statement all white ethnicities as white, but at the same time, under the veil of America, like, we are white Americans, under this system, we receive certain privileges. Right. You can't make that statement about a white British person. That's a different system. Yeah, but you or can also- make, a white Italian. But you can it's also- a different system. You can also- He's though, conflating these two things. Yeah, he is conflating these two things. He's conflating identity with ethnicity, first of all, like- and they're not the same fucking thing. But you can also, to to your point, you can look at hit the history of the world, what people, no matter where they were in the world, consistently had an upper hand over other people in the world. White people consistently had an upper hand because we fucking went into other countries, not we, but like... White people went into other countries and fucking took them. Yeah, colonialism. Yeah. It's a bitch. So, like, so the ethnic, so I think that to some degree in all of those places, whether you're talking about Britain or France or Germany or whatever, like, you have to, you You can still definitely apply critical race theory, but the the discussion changes slightly. It does. Just depending on where you go. Definitely. But I think that there isn't, that the identity versus ethnicity in that aspect, like, the identity is still the same. The white identity is that, like, you still have these benefits over the groups of people that you're around because that's the way that you fucking built the world up. You fucking took it. Like, you killed people, you genocided people, and, like, now you occupy all these, or not occupy, but now you have all these countries. You live in all these countries, like, where maybe white people necessarily weren't the 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 main group of fucking people before colonization. So, like... I, to me, the identity word can still exist as like, yeah, it's kind of the same because whether you're a white Brit or a or a black Brit, like the white Brit probably has ha, has experienced more benefits, subconscious or not, in than the than the black Brit has. Like in the same way that that would be true in Italy or France or. The United you're going to have an advantage if you're if you look like the people your country who founded your country. I think he's trying right, to. Like, he's, yeah, like in the same instance, like if we were to go try to live in Mexico and have the same opportunities that. Yeah, to get a job yeah. there, it might be, be very flipped. or it, it a almost white person it, it doesn't Asia, it doesn't it's not a know? great example because it doesn't fully flip the the situation it, it, that we have yeah. here in America, but it shows you that there's a possibility of disparities of being white, right? Yeah, and this. Critical race theory—they're demonizing it because they. Think I would even say that it's it's solely targeting whites. Like, yes, in America, 
because that's yeah. the power play. And I right. would even say that, like, critical race theory, if you pull back from it uh, even further, you it would just be a study of history through the eyes of the people who've been oppressed. And, and historically, that has been minorities. That has been people of color. Right. Whether we're talking about black or Hispanic. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're, especially if you're talking about American history. We're also 100 percent. We're know, also talking about a theory which which is bigger than one fucking place or time. Right. So, like, well, I'm curious. Does critical just, race theory get into like the way we treated uh, like the Asians who built railroads and, and, and you know, internment camps? Does it also get into teaching about that? Is it more just about the, the people we fucked over as a country or is it just about? I, I, you you would I, you would absolutely be able to apply that to Asian American. I would think so, right? As, yeah, especially in these days where now more than ever. So I would think the definition. Against, well, not more than ever, but there's the, the racism against Asian Americans is climbing again. Right. Well, it's not, ben is not nearly the level of the 40s or 50s, but you yeah, get my point. And Ben is focusing explicitly on the white and black angle in America, and I think from what he's reading, apparently the two authors do too. But I think their theory would hold just as much with any disadvantaged group in our history. Yeah, but absolutely. they also they also wrote the theory in, during the civil rights movement, right? Like, so it makes sense that yeah. their their well, angle did, would be white and black if they well, were they, in America. Wait, did they mention Native Americans in one? They, they mention a lot. There are yeah. even there there are tons of papers that I've looked at that like involve like queer people and LGBT. Right. It's because literally like, just about seeing history through the eyes of the people who never get to write history because they're never the winners. Right. Yeah. Which seems like a really great idea. And the rage that comes from it is like completely exemplar it, it, it exemplifies that uh that white rage that pissed all the conservatives off that Miley said in the first place. Like this is this is the white rage that you're that he was talking about that pissed you off and made you do your whole fucking show about why Black people are secretly bad while couching it in all of this other bullshit that is just white Wait, victimhood nonsense. You could argue that this whole show that Ben's doing is white rage. One hundred percent and Ben wagon esque. Like Ben My- isn't some like he pretends like he already knows this is all so bad, but he's never done a show on it before. He waits until it becomes a hot button issue. Right. He's going after clicks. Yeah. You know, not like we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's money maker. Although we're not, though. Like, I'm just fucking mad. <laughs> like, I'm legitimately just mad that this is a conversation. I don't care if you listen to this. I mean, I hope you are. But, like, yeah. I, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm Ring doing is it not sponsoring yell. this. I didn't put myself through this much of a headache for the... For the money I'm not making. <laughs> like, I'm actually mad about this. Um, so yeah, white victimhood is a, is a pattern here. But for these folks like Nicole Ellis of the Washington Post, it is important that you understand your white identity. What they mean is they're going to cudgel you into an identity where you are responsible for all the evils of the world. You're responsible for the George Floyd situation. Hey, first of all, when Resma Menachem at the very beginning, an author, when he says at the beginning, there are thousands of George Floyds you never saw. Well, I mean, under what time context are we talking? Are we talking like the last several hundred years? Because then that's true. Are you talking about like the last several years? The answer, of course, is no. The number of black unarmed men killed in the United States by cops is under 20 every single year. So no, it's not thousands of people who are being treated the way that George Floyd was treated. Okay, but again, the, the idea is that pointing out that incident, which again, was not even like there's still no evidence. It's amazing how this has been promulgated. There's still no evidence that was a racist incident. It was not alleged in court. It was not alleged by the federal government. It's been alleged by no one. And yet that has become the racial incident in America, despite the fact that there's no racial animus sought. Why? Because it's structural. You've heard that word structural. 
Okay, the idea, again, is that in reality, Derek Chauvin isn't really, according to CRT, even to blame for Derek Chauvin's activity. Derek Chauvin is just an agent of the structure, and the structure is to blame. And you are both to blame for upholding the structure and you are a symptom of that structure because you were created by that structure. No. See, now that's the victimhood shit. Right. Like, you should feel bad. That's what they're saying. Fuck they're him. trying to Wait, bully is you. Is he really racism... trying to say, because they don't? They didn't say the word racism in the the the, the charges against Derek Chauvin, well, like, there you, was no racial animosity involved. You, and it, that race played no part in what he did to fucking George Floyd. Bullshit. Yeah, you know, and you know why that wasn't used in court, right? Because you can't prove it according yes, to law, right? And that's not a you being can't racist. Prove isn't, racism according to and racism the court is of law. not a crime in and of itself. To be racist, fuck, is not a crime. The fact of the matter, killing someone is the fact of the matter is that George Floyd was a black man who was unarmed and is now dead at the hand of the at the hands of the police. And this is not an uncommon story. So it is still. It is and still. Then, it is still an example of like the system that we keep seeing fucking play out. Like it's the same story. And he went on to say that there are under twenty black Americans killed by cops every year on average. Okay, well, these are like when when a black man or woman is killed by an officer, they're using when. They're not using it, but when you when you see it, it's the most extreme version of... It's the worst outcome. Yes. Right? So when they're saying... Th- it, it does affect thousands and thousands of people who like are there's, pulled there's over, who are harassed, who are non-stop. searched. Yeah. 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 Well, who's, all year. Whose fucking and, constitutional rights are being violated when they're searched without cause? Constantly. Well, and Ben's a fucking dick for saying, the, what time construct are you using? A thousand years? According to like, usnews.com, more than a thousand unarmed people die as a result of police harm between 2013 and 2019, according to data from Mapping Police Violence. A third of a third of them were black. About 17% of the black people who died as a result of police harm were unarmed, a larger share than any other racial group by about one and a, 1.3 times more than the average of 13%. So you're being an asshole when you say, are you talking about thousands of years? Because like, like no, we're talking about recent no, we're history talking and of, the numbers back it up. He's just trying dick. to discredit. Yeah, he's just being a fucking douchebag. Because bag. at any... Yeah. Any large set of data points that you look at, it's pretty easy to just look at well, them and go, oh, there's there's a disparity here. I wonder why. Maybe yeah. there's a little bit of racism involved here. Right. And to me, there seems to be two paths you can take. You can think, you can look at those stats and think that like police and our system are unfairly targeting minorities, specifically black men. Right. Um, when you're talking about the police, or you can think what I assume Ben thinks that black people are just more likely to commit crimes. Which I'm guessing and that's the only two options, right? And that's the argument that he's, he's selling his audience. Right. I mean, kind of, it's, yeah. he's burying it. And he, yeah, but that's essentially when you get down to it. If he doesn't believe A, he has to believe B. There's there's not another and option like, to explain that, that that like ratio. Yeah. The, the biggest thing that people like Ben who argue against this don't understand is like we're not condemning the the system as a whole. Like it wasn't it wasn't created with it doesn't necessarily mean that it had to be created with bad intentions but this is where we're at let's recognize it and let's change it right why, well, why do we way, just gotta keep on doing the same thing and getting the same right. results it's einstein's definition of insanity man and in, in, in the same way that we are enacting laws now that we don't see are gonna have massive problems for people right that we're gonna have to reckon with when it eventually becomes clear to us well and let's be honest like the slavery and then the jim crow shit that came after it like 
The system was made. Like, the system is inherently bad. It was set up to fucking and, and fuck. Like, it, yeah. I get your point that, like, we're not saying that it was that it was created for this, but it kind of was created for this. And people like Ben are exactly the reason why Jim Crow laws were allowed to pass in the first place, because enough people were able to buy this kind of bullshit about, like, oh, it's not actually racist. We're the unracist people. They should have their own schools. I, I was know, more like, or less alluding to as it is, right. not, not no, in its I inception. It. Yeah, I get it. Um, but but I like just, we've had we've had obvious amendments since then, right? And then now we're at where we're we're at now, right? So now we've recognized new problems, right. so fix them. Yeah, please. Well, and their whole stance seems to be, I'm gonna fucking stomp my feet and like you're gonna have to drag me for pr- progress because I don't want anything to change. Yeah, I'm afraid of change. Uh, because- I'm pretty sure that is like the unspoken motto of the entire right wing. Like it is, you're going to like if we're if progress is gonna be made, fuck you. I'm gonna try to make sure it it doesn't. I'm gonna build no. a wall in front of it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like one. Can you and imagine a half miles. <laughs> Can you imagine where we'd be at if they didn't have to do this? Like, if they weren't dicks, if we could all actually, like, push together on a common goal? Like, yeah, but then the we'd de- be at Mars by yeah, now. But then the fucking Democrats would be like, we hate each other yeah. because that's what they're already doing. So uh, it's yeah. just whatever. Yeah. yeah. Ben goes on. In church. It says, why is white racial identity <laughs> important? I am originally from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default and whiteness was the comfort. Part of the structure of racism and the way that it's maintained is to keep us from recognizing that racism is a part of our daily lives. And so it's a longer term process of looking at your understanding of yourself in the world, both historically, but also contextually, the family you live in, the community you live in, and what role whiteness plays in that. So here you have a woman named Kelsey Arias originally saying that whiteness was her default and her comfort. I don't know what that's supposed to mean other than this is her confessing her sins in Maoist style, right? She didn't know she was racist, but it was her default and her comfort. She didn't even know. She didn't even know what kind of sin she was committing, but she was by dint of just where she lived. And then you have Rebecca Toberak, who is one of these authors who was speaking before, saying that you know finding your whiteness and discovering your own sin is a lifelong process. Now, that sounds very much, again, like cultic language. It sounds like a cult. It sounds like you have to spend your entire life cleansing yourself of whatever the master says is your sin. You have to spend your entire, it's a lifelong process of discovering your own whiteness and looking within. You're hunting for your own unconscious racial bias that has infused the core of your very being. And, the, and, the only, and if you can't uncover it, it's because you're racist, obviously. Right? This is the perfect Kafka trap. If you say, well, I looked inside myself and I really don't think I'm a racist. Say, ah, it's because you are so infused with your own racism, you can't even recognize your own racism. Pretty incredible stuff. This nonsense continues. Oh, it sure it does, Ben, every has. day on your fucking show. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how mad it makes me that he misused Kafka there. Uh, Franz Kafka is a great, all-time great writer, and you just don't spat on his grave. Don't sully the name of Kafka-esque, <laughs> yeah. God yeah. damn it, That's a great term. He, ugh, man. You bastard. He he's a ba- <laughs> he's a bastard for so Rooting many fucking Kafka, re- right? Like um, he just it's, like it's like, so. All uh, I heard was white rage. All un- I heard was just this. Well, no, way. Like I in my own mind, we got to stop using examples of like the the examples that they that they use there of being 
from an all-white area, and that was just the default. Like, stop stop using those as examples because it's clearly not getting through to well, Ben and, I do, and, and people right. like And this. I do agree, and I, as I watched like, we this. we got to reword this because they're just going to beat this up like a paper tiger. As I watched this video, I was like, I do agree that these types of videos lend themselves to people like Ben and Tucker Carlson and, and Sean Hannity and, I don't and think all of that. I don't think you're it's a middle-middle conver- softball. Yeah. I don't think you're actually converting anybody. You're, you're preaching to the choir. People who are going to click on that video, are they're already going to hate it and know yeah. they're going to hate it. Or they already agree with what you're going to say. Well, and here's the thing. I agree with almost – I agree with most of what's said in the video, and I don't like the video because I'm like, this is dramatic. It's too fucking like, like just, high school video. Yeah, when like, I add the music. That I thought that was Ben's music at first, and I was like, oh, no, that, that's fucking Washington Post. That's They also get like I, the white people that you don't want representing – the like the ultra white, yeah. You, I, can they really not find a, a, a woman who married a black guy who are, who grew up with racist parents? There's not one of those that you could interview to yeah, be like, yeah, I changed my outlook. I don't like the way that this video was done, and I do like it. Does totally. It sets the issue on a tee for people like right. Ben Shapiro. And speaking of setting stuff on a tee, Ben, his whole this sounds like cult language. Yeah, when you put it in those terms, using those specific words that they did not use, they're not, you can make it seem like it sounds like a cult. Yeah, and, I agree. And he states that they're confessing their racism. Like, no, they're that, just she never. They're, they're stating ways in which they didn't understand where they weren't being the victim of racism. Right. Like they were just existing because yeah. racism didn't exist in their areas. I he like it was just I, how it was. I believe two things are true. That like one that he knows what message he's selling to the audience that he knows he's selling it to, and I also believe that he truthfully, like lots of people in the white community, cannot grasp the concept of self-reflection or like of looking at the situation or the hand that you were dealt and empathy and, and analyzing it and being like, yeah, you know what? Like, even if I was a poor white person, I still didn't have to be afraid of getting pulled over. Like I still never had to be afraid that I was going to fucking die there and not make it to wherever I was going. Right. Like that is a difference well, in the way that you we imagine- live. Can you imagine me and you going to like a black neighborhood in St. Louis and jogging past it? Do you think anybody would call the cops and be like, I'm fearful for my life because no, I'm going to grab a gun and see what this guy's doing? No one would. No, that is that's not a problem with that is a pure problem with white people and the way we view our fucking fellow citizen. Well, in Ben's mind, too, because all they're doing really is just pointing out the problems in America related to race. And Ben seems to be like, nope, nope, nope to He's every problem. He's so mad. So in, but in Ben's mind, he must just think there's not a problem of race in this country. That well, it's just people saying there is. Well, he's never had it hard, so it right. can't be racism. Hey, there were black people at Harvard, I'm sure, so they 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 got there. You can too. Yeah. The more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process. No matter how much you work at that, there's still even almost more work to be done. A living embodied anti-racist culture does not exist among white people. White people got to start getting together, specifically around race. White accountability groups are really helpful in terms of having a place to process, having a group of people whose responsibility it is to call me on things or to challenge me. We're unpacking wrong things that we've been taught in history class. I realized that I needed to go back and unpack and reorganized everything that I had learned because it was completely Okay, true. stop for a second. Okay, so th- 
So the Washington Post recognizes, and they, they, they suggest that you should create an accountability group. This is direct Maoist crap. Okay, like direct Maoist crap. So over the weekend, I was reading a book about the current, what they call third revolution in China, the Xi Jinping revolution. And what they've done at many of their companies is they have these sort of political groups where you're supposed to get together. And this has been true for decades, really since the inception of Maoism. But now it's sort of moved into the corporate sphere over there. You're supposed to have these accountability groups where you get together and you confess your sins against Marxism. Right? They would actually have Maoist struggle sessions during time of Mao where you would do this. You'd get up and you'd confess your sins and you were forced to do this. And this has been true in every communist country. Right? Pol Pot used to have these things where you'd get up and you'd confess your sins against Marxism. And then you would be punished for it. And then you would sit back down. So they're now suggesting that in exactly the same fashion, we have quote unquote accountability groups. You have white people get together and call each other out on their racism and then presumably forgive each other. And the more you confess, the more praiseworthy you are. The more you say, I, I, this is why you see Rebecca Toporak in this video saying things like, well, you know, the, you, you almost never finish the work. It's almost impossible to finish the work. You can never get to the end of the work. Or Kelsey Arias saying, I've never even discovered the, the depth of my own racism. I was never able to come up with the depth of my own racism. Or Elise Kennedy saying, I have to go back. This is where it starts to get institutional. We have to go back and we have to see the way we teach history. And we have to reteach ourselves history this way. And here you start to see the creep over from these sort of personal browbeating and the self-scourging, the 12th century style self-scourging and, and Maoist style struggle sessions to now we have to teach how we, how we teach it. We have to change how we teach this stuff in schools to children. And this is why I don't like videos like this. They're not uh, suggesting you get together and self-flagellate over this. No, they're not. <laughs> um, they're also like, I don't. Like it, it's a highly dramatic suggestion. Everything that they have in this video, I don't like it. Because it leads to people like Ben just beating the crap yeah, out of it. Yeah, and the, uh, the term accountability. It's well-intentioned, but it's, it's just. It's a well-intentioned joke. And, and it's not. Like, get serious about this. Like, just just recognize it and well, maybe, like, correct your friends or family members. But also, who the fuck are these people they're when, interviewing? Random people who have thoughts I, on, like, yeah, why, could you, like, I, honestly, what would have been a better video is like this amount of time, five minutes of a professor, like some kind of professor who deals with racial issues and knows history, just talking to the camera. Yeah. Like that would have been better than that. I don't know why there is. These people have no personal like attachment. Nothing. To ha this. Yeah. Yeah. Like it to me, it was like they went to like a church bake sale and they're like, you, you, you and you. Right. Yeah. Like, let's sit down and talk about critical race theory. My, well, it's I, not put together. It's not put together. If I was well. making this video, my first thought, would, I would put out feelers for like, has anybody like find someone who used to be in the KKK and got that guy who goes around and flips uh, clan members interview him. Yeah. About race. They'll say something interesting. Yeah. These people yeah. are not. But I also agree with Jim, like the terminology they use. Did they say accountability? Is that the term? Yeah. yeah. Account uh, yeah. That, and it is accurate. That is the word that is what you need. Someone to hold you accountable when you're when you're not when you're being colorblind or you're or, being blind to your privilege. I would make the argument that like stop being fucking blind and take personal or, or acknowledge like personal yeah, responsibility. But in the same way, I think privilege. we've all had a friend who was, you know, either black or you know, some minority, not us, who has said something or related experience or been with us when they experienced something, and you can't open your eyes. You're like, oh shit, I don't see the world the way you do. Yeah, even though we're close and we're like practically Fair. the same person. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think, but I think the word accountability 
I knew, like when Ben jumped on that. Well, I was she like, said she, yeah. she once said like groups too. And then he also he also took it to the extreme of comparing it to Maoism. Maoist China. Yeah. yeah, confessing your sins against Marxism. Like, oh, like what DeSantis wants to do with Florida and people yeah. having to announce their political affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> right. You guys want to do <laughs> the things point. that you say are fucking also, bad. I deny <laughs> his premise that all. Did he say all communist states made you do this? Uh, he's. I don't know. Or he, like, he may have. You'd think I would know that, but I listened to the book, many and then times. he just said, "Like, oh yeah, oh, they all do this. Anything not capitalism makes you, you know, confess well, your sins. Confess your sins against Marxism. Any because uh, Pol Pot did the same thing. And where was where was who was Pol Pot in charge of? I don't remember. So <laughs> you got another. If, if you had to do that for capitalism, it would just be a bunch of people in suits getting up being like, I didn't milk my clients for all they were worth. They still have a tiny home. I could have taken it all. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, there well, was another fee I could have added on. Well, it's good, though, that the capitalists have no shame because you know what? You know what's the shitty thing about shame? Completely through a white lens. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused. And that's a very legitimate piece of this work. And we can't ask people of color to hold our hands through the shame piece. That needs to happen with other white people. When you do that for one, two, three, four, five years, right? You end up with actually a community that is aligned with each other. In theory, that sounds like a good idea, but I guess I'm curious to hear, like, what are some of the pitfalls or risks that you run if that's the only step you take? The biggest answer is white people don't really understand racism. <laughs> and so if I'm relying on other white people to teach me about racism, that can only go so far. I only best understand racism by talking to people who are directly impacted by racism from different perspectives. So in addition to having white accountability groups and white accountability buddies, it's also really important to have sustained and meaningful relationships with people of color. I okay, pause it there. Okay, so this is Rebecca Toporek and all the rest of these people suggesting they can't even understand racism, right? It's so deeply rooted in them, they feel shame. They feel shame at their own whiteness. So first of all, if you feel shame because of your race, this is racist. You should not feel shame under any circumstances because of a condition that you were born into. That's insane. That's the definition of racism, truly. If you feel ashamed because you were born black, we would say, oh my God, that's terrible. Why would you feel ashamed for being born black? But now the idea is there's something good about feeling ashamed for being a white person. Why? Did you do something wrong? Normally shame attaches when you do something wrong. But the idea is that by the very color of your skin, you are complicit in this racist system because the system benefits you even unconsciously. And so you can't even fight racism, right? This goes back to the critical race theory principles that we were talking about. Right, the critical race theory principles, one of them is that white people can't even properly understand race. Only black people and only Hispanic people and only Asian people. And even there is a hierarchy there. Only people who are not white can properly understand racism. So now the Washington Post says you need to find a black friend. Now, recognize that you are also in the same video. They're saying that if you ask a black person to guide you on racism, this is in and of itself racist because you are assuming that that person has either the wherewithal or the desire to tell you about racism. It's using that black person as sort of a token to lead you. But you have to find black friends because those black friends are the only ones who are capable of awakening you to your own racism and to your own complicity in the system. This is all cultic nonsense. It's all cultic behavior and it's infused everything. Continue. 
All of that was uh, a paper tiger. Yeah, every bit of For, it. But I, I want to yeah. hit the the really cringeworthy thing. Accountability buddies. A- accountability buddy. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> buddy. Please don't ever say that That'd ever be, again. That somebody just made that into a YouTube. Isn't hit. that just? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> isn't that just a really lame AA sponsor? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I it mean, is. come on. They're interviewing fucking Kitty Foreman from that '70s show. Like that. I'm <laughs> like, this isn't. Uh, and Ben's over there like red Oh this is what we're gonna do tonight ben, We're gonna fight huh Ben found like the greatest fucking video That he could stumble on On the Washington Post To further uh. hit to, So that he could fucking beat it up Like a punching bag Middle middle fastballs all day long after fucking, after misrepresenting the definitions of critical race theory that he fucking read to us, uh, and like, and I think that it works because videos like this, even people like us who recognize the the point of critical race theory, are like, yeah, but this isn't the like you don't yeah. you don't. There's want, a way to explain this in this ain't it. You don't want Tommy Chung to be the face the face of legalization. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, I will, that's not the guy. I will argue while this Washington Post video is the thing kind of laughable and cornball. It's not really about critical race theory. I mean, it's tied into it, but it's not specifically. That's not what they're talking about, right. is it? So Ben's kind of conflating the two. It's like it, it I mean, means he, well. He's good about. I mean, yeah. He, it I mean, it the, means well, and it's full of empathy and like trying to explain it through a super empathetic lens, but it's so overdone. It well, is and it, overdone. it might be. I mean, it's Washington Post, and it's. I'm assuming people who actually like pay to get past the firewall. So I'm assuming older people, yeah, who might be more swayed by a video like this. But like for us, I think it, well, there's nothing this video is saying that isn't kind of already obvious if you've. And, well, I mean, we've talked about uh, police well, and shootings and stuff for here's years. Here's the thing, more, though, because you, know, like, you mentioned earlier that like white people having guilt for like being able to rec- like when you are able to recognize like the benefits that we do have and whatever. And he said that shame is racist. And that anybody that feel like nobody you should, have, you have to do something wrong to feel ashamed. Which but, isn't, but that's, that's not, not true. true. That's not the case. No, that's, no. that's not the shame that I you felt can feel after shame Floyd. for no. other people suffering. And if you should never feel shame for something that you're born into, which is what he said, then doesn't that work for a whole bunch of things? Why would anyone have pride in this country, which is what your entire show is about, Ben? Because like, why have pride for something that you're fucking born into, or your skin color, or your class, or your wealth, or anything? Like it. It kind of works the same way, doesn't it? It should. The, I, the, 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 the shame that I felt after the George Floyd incident was the fact that, like, I finally recognized it, and then I was like, wow, it's been this bad. Yeah. It took, it took yeah. something this bad for me to finally, like, fully understand this. Yeah. Like, well, it, admittedly, he- after Michael Brown, I, was, I wasn't even close to sold on yeah, after me living through a white lens. Floyd hit me hard on a personal level because I have a family member who, like, I don't know, I, I'm pretty sure unknowingly passed, I don't think they're a counterfeiter, but uh, paid for something with a counterfeit bill, and the police were called. And they were yeah. like, and but they, it was a very different outcome. They weren't put on the ground with a knee in their back of their neck, you know? Well, and I don't want to go too far into the, the George Floyd uh case because we can get off on tangents that like whatever um but like floyd was in the back of that car before he was put on the ground so like when people like ben and and that and the right wing talking heads try to say that like or try to make 
their audience feel like the cop was in the right and he was just doing his job. Like, George Floyd was already in the back of the car when Derek Chauvin showed up, grabbed him, put him on the ground, and then stood on his fucking neck for almost 10 minutes. Like, I don't know, man. That To me, that's important because, like, this didn't have to fucking go this way, and this is the same thing that we see over and over and over again. So... I don't know. It's interesting though that like Ben Shapiro, like in the, in the shame that we're getting at here, it's not that you did something wrong. It's not even close to that. It's like an empathetic shame. Like yeah, uh, I'm ashamed I can't do more to fix it. I yeah. feel like well, like, and and I I think it's fair to be like it does suck that I have benefits that other people don't that like i can get a fucking job by knowing somebody who has a job like i can walk in and just be like yeah i know frank so just hire me and my interview process isn't the same as like well even worse if you have to put in an application somewhere where you don't know anybody your name is going to get more callbacks than someone who has a name that reads black yeah yeah, so, um, but Ben Shapiro is probably a guy, and, it, and and you should remember it because it will be important later, that shouldn't really talk about fucking token black guys. Like, he's not the guy that should that should be criticizing a video uh, for making that point or seemingly making that point. You don't have the ability to, like, inherently name things as upholding white supremacy or as being racist. My whiteness is going to show up at different points in my life and at different points in different relationships. But is it fair or healthy to be seeking out relationships with people just to have a diverse network? Because I feel like for people of color, you're kind of constantly trying to gauge whether or not it's worth it to be vulnerable or share how someone hurt you when your white colleagues or co-workers or friends mess up. There's a different cost for my friends of color to be in relationship with me. So I think one of the things that's really important is ongoing being a friend on an ongoing basis for lots of different things, not just like thinking about racism as a part of our friendship when there's something horrible that happens. Those relationships are number one for me to um, be there for them as them for me it's a it's a relationship and so it should be reciprocal but also so that i have a broader understanding of the world everything i thought about how i existed in my white body in the world was very wrong (laughs) and i needed this new lens to see the world through so i think that's been a big piece of my own work incredible and Nicole Ellis is sitting there, but so black people shouldn't be friends with you because then they're going to be used as tokens. And like, well, they won't be used as tokens. I mean, we'll still be friends, but we'll kind of use them as tokens. But we're helping to reexamine our own prejudices. And Nicole Ellis is sitting there like the judge on high trying to judge all these white people, right? I mean, that's that she's there to provide them the absolution. Okay, this is racist nonsense. It's being taught to your kids in school. It's being pushed by the Washington Post on their front page. Yeah, it's it is not, not, it's not in any curriculum. No, and yet not. not not whatsoever. I, I do, our, our textbooks like, are written from in Texas. So, and, and I would for, um, firstly like, even if it does get written into education, it's not going to be like 
you're bad for being white. It's not yeah. going to be like that. No, he picked – this is, again, I we've made the point multiple times, but the reason that videos like this don't serve the purpose is that because while they're – like, while the intention is good and the idea is kind of there, they're spinning it in this super empathetic tone where it it does feel like all of the people in this video are – guilty 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 i feel shameful i feel sad and so like they're they're going hard on that aspect of it and it just and it allows him to conflate what critical race theory really is into well these guys are all real sad and shameful and that's what they say you should be and it's like but that's not if critical race theory was put into curriculums it would be like so here's what happened in the 60s from the perspective of the history that we've taught you and here's all the shit we didn't tell you like yeah that's how it would be put into a curriculum yeah Here's real history. Well, it would just be history. Like yeah. for well, for us, also, it would be the shock factor of like learning it over again. Yeah, no and shit. And what really happened? But for kids, when they first learn it, like that's just history. Yeah, and that's kind of the what, like, yeah, yeah. It's. But, do, do you think part of teaching history should be teaching how we've taught history? That part of teaching about like history classes being like, and in America for the longest time think, we didn't I teach think maybe, about maybe you know, offer it as a separate class. Like it doesn't have to. Like y- you would never get through the whole time period you're yeah, trying to get through no. if you maybe, were maybe constantly a, explaining what we left out and why we left it out. A high school yeah. class, I could see that as like an elective though. Teach yeah. history the way it was supposed to be taught, so that I don't learn it fucking. 25 years old that uh, Martin Luther King had anything to do with Vietnam. Abraham Lincoln didn't walk like 20 miles in the snow to return a penny? (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Fucking shit, man. You mean to tell me that Johnny Appleseed didn't actually plant all the apple trees? What's amazing to me is I grew up my entire life with the knowledge that like, you know, Japan, like, or Germany like nixed that whole World War II fucking chapter right out of their history. Like, I knew that. That was fucking American propaganda it to me that like yeah well they make themselves look better in history no shit you don't say yeah. i bet that's kind of human nature to i do bet such they're a thing. not the fucking only ones but they posited a, a, a question that relates to kantian ethics it, it's uh not using something if you use something as a means to an end are you really like do you really have that means best interest in in mind so when uh, they said seeking relationships for the purpose of of diversity, like using people of right. color to yeah. make more diversity, like yes, that's not virtuous. Right. That's the opposite of virtuous. That's Kantian ethics one hundred and one. There. Yeah. And, would, would, and Ben immediately attacked it, even though they posited the question to themselves. Would, right. Like, it, it, it's an interesting question because we do tend to just <laughs> as a people congregate around people who look like us, who have the same backgrounds. We're in a room right now. Where we're all white. You know, yeah. that's not shouldn't be going unnoticed. It's not necessarily that it's an evil thing. It's just something we all have to like take notice of, right? And 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 realize like, well, this might be causing our problem that we're all stuck in our own little echo chambers, right? And we don't, you know, and there's a lot of reasons we don't. But come also, evil, but don't just be a straight up dick and be like, hey, you black person, come right. here, talk to me and tell me why. Right, right. I'm bad. make yeah. me less racist. But again, I'm putting that on you. And I'm glad that you pointed it out. Like they made that point themselves in the video. And then Ben was like, "See what they want you to do? Like that's not yeah. what they said, motherfucker. <laughs> like that they, they told it up you as to a be to be wary of that. Yeah, but then to still like 
And he not was... just solely try to be diverse, right? But don't turn your back on it. Yeah, they told you to be wary of that, and then he was like, "You should be wary of this." Like, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, thanks, we man. agree. Gotcha. <laughs> like that. That was the point that they made. And the Washington Post now the left is angry that you caught them. Okay, because here's the reality. There's pushback, and the pushback is incredibly serious. We're seeing a bevy of states push actions to ban the teaching of critical race theory in schools, which is good. Okay, critical race theory, schools have to decide what they teach to kids. They don't teach kids that 2 plus 2 equals 5 because that's a waste of time, stupid, counterproductive, and illogical. You shouldn't be teaching kids about racial essentialism. You shouldn't be teaching kids that all the systems of power in the United States are racist. You shouldn't be teaching kids that by dint of their very skin color, they ought to feel shame. You shouldn't teach kids false notions of American history. Because that's a garbage thing to do. And you're starting to see blowback on this. And the left, which has embraced all of this, right? The left loves this stuff. Right? Joe Biden's administration agrees with this Washington Post video. I dare you to find a single member of the Washington, uh, of, honestly, of the Biden administration who would dare to say that this video is the pretentious, crappy, self-defeating nonsense that it is. You wouldn't find one person in the entire administration who would say that. Not one. So the blowback and the blowback is coming and the blowback is very, very real. And the left is very upset about it. It is not a coincidence that the same day that the Washington Post ran this particular video, the Washington Post also ran a very long piece being very angry that anybody, including Christopher Rufo, who's one of the people leading the charge, has been fighting back against critical race theory. And this is precisely the point. The left has been renormalizing America by pushing radical ideas slowly into the mainstream by being intransigent and very, very loud inside specific institutions. Okay, they push a little bit and then they push a lot, but they continue to push and they are very intransigent and they hope that by bullying you into silence and, feel, and making you feel shame for your own race and making you feel shame for your own systems and making you feel shame for America, and they can shut you up and then take over the institutions. And what's happening right now is that that vast middle is saying no. All it takes to quote unquote renormalize and already renormalize institutions is a bunch of people in the middle saying absolutely not, we're not doing this. And this is why the left is getting pissed because a bunch of people who are heretofore silent, a bunch of people who are very quiet up to this point, they're now standing up and they're taking back their school boards. They're standing up and they're retaking their legislatures. They're standing up and they're retaking congressional seats and they're saying no. And the left can't handle it because for a long time, 20% of the country has run the other 80% of the country. And now there's a vast swath in the middle who are saying, no, we're not gonna do this stuff. And the first step on that is awareness of the fact that this 20% of people, these radicals who have created this coalition in order to push this nonsense, have started to take over the institutions and in many cases have already have, have done that. You can renormalize as long as you have a core percentage on the other side of 20% and the, and the 60% in the middle, the unaligned side with the 20% pushback rather than the 20% radicals who are pushing this stuff in the first place. That's how renormalization happens and it's already happening and it's great to watch and the left is scared out of their wits. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that thieves could come after your most valuable asset. Okay, the reality is your most valuable asset is probably your home title. That's pretty much true for everybody. Can people actually steal your home title? The answer is yes. Take it from this thief who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. This right here is why you need home title lock. Okay, so then we're going to get into well, a He lot. needs to work on his ad pivot. Yeah, that was, <laughs> a, hard. that was a fucking weird ad I don't ad feel pivot. like I need to worry about someone stealing my home title, Ben. He also pl goes on to play an actual, well, a supposed, I I, a thief who does an interview saying how he stole the home title or whatever. But it was like, first of all, how did who, he steal who, the home? who interviewed that person? 
Secondly, does the company know that they're advertising for them through you? Yeah. Or did you pull this from like one of their shitty like infomercials? <laughs> How does this work? Or did the company hire the criminal right. as like a spokesman? Okay, so now that the ad is out of the way, I have a whole bunch of problems with some of the shit he just said. Go on, Jim. I see you I see you so, with something on yeah, deck. It's the the photo that I sent in our private thread. The so it's two superimposed photos. Uh, one is from the opposition to critical race theory and a, apparently in our schools, which it's not there. Uh, and the other one is some white folks in front of a elementary school right before they passed uh, the integration of blacks and whites together in the same school. It almost makes me think that we're just doomed to not learn anything from history. Yeah, ever. I feel I feel like you might not be super far. Also, oppose right. on their sign from the '60s is spelled A P P O S E. There you go. <laughs> That's good. I opposed it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So a few things though about the about what about you said. racial essentialism. First of all, he shit on Biden. <laughs> He it's just like immediately posited that like everybody in the Biden administration agrees with this. I challenge you, audience who can't reach out to the Biden administration, to find me one person that doesn't agree. Like that's just made up Ben Shapiro fantasy land shit. Yeah. Like nobody's ever been asked that shit. Like fuck off. The Biden like, administration has not put out a fucking memo being like, are the president and the administration support this? They have been silent on it. Also, what kind of delusional ass percentages is he using that 20%, 20% of the country has been bullying 80% of the fucking country? Last time I checked, bud, there's more fucking liberals in this country than there are conservatives and the fucking system is so weighted against us that it's like a miracle that we even fucking win elections. <laughs> like, it... it well, half the time when we do, they still take office. So what the fuck? Yeah, uh, just fucking ridiculous. Like that that entire idea is like, wait a minute, who? In, how much has been passed in the under the Biden administration? How many times have the fucking Republicans beaten the Democrats in the last few months because they because they couldn't hit a sixty threshold? Like the Democrats have the fucking majority, and the Republicans are still able to fucking bully them around and stop progress. Yeah. Fucking tell me about how the liberals have been bullying the fucking Republicans. And there there is a big difference. And this is just goes to Jim's point about like don't bring up Kafka esque if you're gonna shit all over the term and not not honor the yep. fucking writer. Don't bring up two plus two equals five and then equate that with teaching children that America has, has a racist history. He also like don't you, fucking bring up Orwell he uses, and do that. He uses the term renormalization like, while we're talking about America's racist fucking history and he's not acknowledging it. Renormalization in the context of his idea, his thought process, is fucking resegregation. <laughs> like what the fuck, dude? Uh, I don't know. Like, and to take Kafka out of his time period that he lived in and then to have him exist in our time period, I'm pretty sure he would be just as upset about oppression as he, like, as he, or as he was then as he would be now. Yeah. Like, yeah that like, was almost like fucking the, Kafka. That was and, the basis of almost all of his writing was like, oppression like, in any one way, shape, or form. If Ola yeah. would have been around during bad. the Trump years, we would have gotten in a thousand more fucking novellas. Yeah. Like, yeah, no shit. Oh, it's stupid. You remember how I told you that Ben Shapiro should not talk about token black guys? Well, he has a play.
the, the term that was used before critical race theory was wokeism. Critical race theory is, is more specific because it actually goes to the ideological roots of all of this. Well, those, the, the root of the, of the pushback has now created fruit, and you're seeing it all over. Right, so you're seeing videos, like here, here's one that, that went viral, of a father and daughter, a black father and daughter, pushing back against critical race theory. It was an excellent video. And the reason it, it is so telling is because, because critical race theory suggests that all the systems of America are deeply racist and inherently directed at promoting the subservience of black Americans particularly, it means that you're basically saying to black people, they have no agency. They have no agency in America, in the freest country in the history of the world, with the richest black families on planet Earth, on average. They have no agency whatsoever. And so here is a young black man named Corey Yeshua and his six-year-old daughter royalty pushing back on critical race theory and saying, this is nonsense and it hurts black people, which it absolutely does. Depriving people of agency is the worst single thing you can do to anyone in life. It is the worst thing. When you tell people they have no agency in their own life, you cannot do anything worse to a child than that, truly. And when you, do, when you create actions that give them no agency, obviously, that is an extension of that very idea. Anyway, here was a Corey issue. This went completely viral, of course. Daddy teaches you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow, yellow. right? Black. And, and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See, this is, how, this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not going to happen. Good for him, right? So this went viral. There's an Illinois dad who got up recently at a school board hearing, pushing against critical race theory. Again, black guy. And he said, this is, this is nonsense. He said, color was not discussed in my home at all. The only race it is is the human race. I don't. I never raised my sons to see anybody as a color. Color was never even discussed in my house at all. All we know is that as my ch as children grow, they just see other kids and they'll just immediately start playing. There is no a child sees them and like, why is his skin color like that of mine? They, we never discussed that. When it all comes down to it, people are just people. My sons never had to talk about white people, about Asian people. All they know is that they were people. They were their friends. They played with them. They never once came home and said, "Dad, my white friend across the street." That they just said, "My friends." Okay. First of all, I agree with that point that we should raise our children in a way that, like, I haven't addressed race with my two kids, and I'm probably not going to unless it gets brought up because I agree with him with that with uh, the the cherry picked audio there. Yeah, uh, and critical race theory agrees with that. Yeah, so like. I'm I'm totally good with that, and I agree. What I don't like is for the guy who just told me that the fucking soft lefties were bad for fucking tokenism, that he just cherry-picked two goddamn clips that he yep. that don't even totally back up his own shit, well, but he's going to spin like they fucking do. And I like you, Brandon, I agree with that guy's uh, sentiment that like we, we should all raise our, our kids this way. And if we all did... We wouldn't need critical race theory. Yeah, no shit. Like that, that's the yep. problem is that's not yeah. the way the way people raise their kids. But this is what we're talking about. Like Jim, made, you made the point earlier that like we have to talk about where we are now, and where we are now is there have been a bunch of generations that have not done that, that have pointed out the differences we, we between talking... black kids and white kids and shit, and like so right. you have to fucking set and, the and, course you know, to correct. We're talking. We we talked about off the mic. The fact that we're only all three of us are like a generation and a half removed from 
I mean, Jim Crow segregation, you know? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago in, yeah, in our, our nation's grand, memory. Our fucking grandparents grew up in segregated schools. Yeah. Like... And we all... I mean, I think everyone... I mean, it's like a joke <laughs> of people our age that, like, grandparents are racist because that is the reality of anybody who grew up in the fucking 90s, you know? I just don't that get... Your, your grandparents like, grew up in a different era where... So, th- this isn't going to be accurate percentages, but say, like, just... let Let's just play around here with some numbers say like 75 percent of our grandparents generation was racist with just the the normal progression of time and the way we've moved as a country our parents generation let's put it at 50 our generation 25 i guarantee you the number is still higher than 25 for our generation but you get the point like mm. there's a slow progression going on, and here. I think it's even harder to measure though because I don't think it's as easy to say like seventy five percent of our grandparents are racist because like yeah, it's compared not to easy what to measure. they were a lot less racist. Yeah, but I think that's what's hard about racism is like you can say you can look at the, like our grandparents and say oh they're racist because they use the n word, but they're less racist than the people during the Civil War who wanted to keep slavery. Right. You know, like, they, they would be like, oh, slavery's bad, but they would still use the N-word and think right. lower, you It's pretty know. easy to argue and say that they were less racist than even the Union soldiers that were fighting against slavery. Right, right. Like, and, yeah, because time marches on, it's going to, and that's, I just, I know Ben Shapiro's going to I mean, be on the if wrong you side ask of any of them, they will tell you that they're not racist. Like, right. It, it, and then compared to someone, that's probably true. There's yeah. someone out there who out-racist them. But that's the thing where I don't like to say that, like, there are obviously people who are just plain racist. But racism more is something that you are, like, that stupid video is right. You are fighting against it your whole life. No matter what you are. If you're black, you have a certain, you're going to have a certain view of a white cop. Regardless of whether they are a good or bad person. Yeah. You know, like, we all have prejudices. You just have to own up to it and be like, all right, fuck, you know, like, be an adult about it. Right. Yeah, you, like, that is the whole game, right, of critical race theory is just be a fucking adult about it, recognize it, and then do your best to not make that the, like, don't perpetuate it. Right. Like that's the idea of critical race theory. And like these guys get so mad because I believe that they're afraid that if if too many people catch on that it will challenge the fucking current status quo, the power structure. Do they just expect that? Do they think that it's going to flip and that suddenly they will be the minority and they'll be treated badly? Like, is that the like if they're if they're I guess I don't know. But if that is their fear. Then like, Isn't that also tacitly acknowledging that like we treat minorities yes, like shit? It, yeah, it one hundred percent is. Like, no matter what his argument is, it still leads back to racism is real and Ben's a dick. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. The pushback is happening. Even the, me- the mainstream media, the reason that they are starting to get so worried about this and to lie about it is because they are deeply, deeply worried that the right is going to be able to mobilize on this because people in the middle, right, that unmotivated sixty percent in the middle are looking at the left and saying, what you're preaching right now is cultic, crazy garbage that tears away every system of freedom in the United States. Now, here's a PBS reporter fully acknowledging on national TV on Sunday that critical race theory is mobilizing people as well it should. Specific to this idea of critical race theory, I have to tell you, just spend some time reporting on this county in Virginia about an hour outside of Washington. And, and to your point, this is something that is mobilizing people and resonating very deeply. It was about a 100-degree day, dozens and dozens and dozens of parents, mostly white in this largely affluent county, showed up to a school board meeting. For many of them, the very first school board meeting they'd ever attended, specifically because of this one issue. Okay, as well they should. The pushback has begun. Again, if you want to renormalize the institutions, if you want to make them normal again, then what you're going to have to do is stand up and say no. And people in the middle have to be made aware 
They are aware now. They're waking up to it and they are fighting back. And this scares the living hell out of the left because this is the first institutional pushback that we have seen in America for quite some time against a systemic motivated left. And it's great. It does like okay. So the way wait, he, th- what th- does wait, renormalize whoa, whoa. mean? The way whoa. that I'm telling you, the way that he is using it to me comes off as the same way that our racist grandparents talk about the way America used to be great when fucking I, shit was separate. <laughs> like he's this like, is the best. This is the like the only time they've risen up in recent history against the left. It, Didn't Trump get elected four years ago? Right. Yeah, like, that's not even true. Has, has he got off Trump's tit that quickly? It sounds like "Make America White Again" is is like that is the, the rallying the, cry yeah. of the fucking right wing, which Ben Shapiro finds himself uh, part of. And uh, you know, like may he may I not be like, as extreme as some other members of the of the right wing, but like he definitely finds himself in that company. I feel he's not far from Lindsey Graham's thought process, just going with the wind. But he's a lot better at disguising it. Yeah, I don't know. One thing I do think is hilarious is I don't think that PBS piece that he just played proves the point that he thinks it does. No. Because she, because she, he plays the piece as if, like, to tell us that there's pushback and, and we're coming back for, he, like... He's we'll, just re- assuming that every parent that showed up to that school board meeting was in opposition. But she said that in this, like, affluent community where people don't... She, she was uh, speaking positively about it. I think she would have had a negative tone if they were all there to oppose it. Well, and she also was there... She was talking about in this affluent community where uh, where people don't normally attend PTA meetings and shit. Like, so even if they were all there to oppose it, we're talking about a fucking white, rich community that, of course, they would be there to. You're like, dude, you're proving the point of why this is necessary because you got all these fucking rich and middle class white people pissed off about some shit that they don't understand and have never heard of. Like, that's the the video itself does proves the opposite or at least tells me information that would make me think that, like, Nah, Ben, you're not. You're either purposefully selling this wrong. You're spinning this, or you're just not understanding the information that you're that you've picked from PBS to make your point. And like that, she described the community. It is exactly the community that you would expect to be mad about this, as Ben is telling us that we should be. I just think that that's fucking lazy. He should have picked a better goddamn video if he's going to do that. So the way this is broadened out in the public view with regard to the media, and you have members of the media saying, actually, critical race theory is just us teaching accurate history. Accurate history is just critical race theory. Okay, the answer is no, it's not. Because critical race theory, again, assumes that whiteness is pervasive everywhere that white supremacy is pervasive in every institution and that institutions and principles of power were created in order to reestablish and re-enshrine white supremacy. Okay, that's what critical race theory says. It's in its, fu- its founding tenets. Okay, but what you get is from the media is if you push back against this, you get the coverage from the Washington Post. Okay, here's how the Washington Post covers the pushback against critical race theory. Quote, Critical race theory holds that racism is systemic in the United States, not just a collection of individual prejudices, an idea that feels obvious to some and offensive to others. Rufo alleged that efforts to inject awareness of systemic racism and white privilege, which grew more popular following the murder of George Floyd by police, posed a grave threat to the nation. 
It's the latest cultural wedge issue, playing out largely but not exclusively in debate over schools. At its core, it pits progressives who believe white people should be pushed to confront systemic racism and white privilege in America against conservatives who see these initiatives as painting all white people as racist. Again, the way that the Washington Post is boiling this down is that if you believe that there is racism in America, then this means that you are a critical race theorist. Right. And, and that if you don't believe that, if you believe that there is no racism in America, you're a conservative. That, of course, is a great simplification. Okay, this is, but this is what CNN's Bakari Seller says. He says, if you're angry at critical race theory, it's just because you don't like regular history. You don't want to be taught regular history. Here he goes with Anderson Cooper. I think that critical race theory can go by another name. Uh, America's history. It's amazing that we're having this discussion where we're celebrating Juneteenth and now individuals don't want to teach us what led us up to Juneteenth. It's as if we want to keep a secret from our children that the founders of this country actually owned slaves. Um, you know, at what point will we be able to teach children that what happened six years ago yesterday in Charleston, South Carolina, was a white nationalist who walked into a church and murdered nine people? I mean, that is a part of America's history. Okay, I have a question. You can teach all of those things to kids. And in fact, every single school child in America knows those things if they have been taught history at all in every state in America, that there was slavery in America and that many of the founders owned slaves. Yes, we all know that because that is part of American history. In fact, there was a giant, you may have missed it. There was a giant civil war where like hundreds of thousands of Americans died over exactly this question. And in fact, pretty much everybody understands that a white nationalist shot up a black church in South Carolina because we were all alive when that happened. But the basic idea here is that if you don't push the idea that every institution in America is rife with racism and you as a white person don't properly understand racism, this means that you're just not studying regular history. Oh, he's such a fucking whiner. Also, that clip was titled, Did You Miss the Civil War? Because I did. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, man. Like well, the, the Whoever was speaking in the video also brought up Juneteenth. Did yeah. you learn about Juneteenth? In all of your primary school? Uh, like a year and a half ago. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know Juneteenth like, existed. Honestly, I had no idea what yeah. Juneteenth was. I may have heard so there's the an term example, once ben. or twice. But like, yeah, I was so glad that he left that in there because, and I- I had actually, I had heard the term, but I always assumed it was something that was just done in the South. Yeah. Like, For some reason, like, I think that's all I'd been like yeah. taught in high school was like, oh yeah, they celebrate this down in the antebellum you, South. And you know, you know, it's funny, uh, like not knowing what Juneteenth was and then hearing what it was. I was like, ah, that makes sense. That slaves in Texas were the last to know that they were free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, no just like when it hit me, I was like, yeah, why don't we have it? We have fucking holidays for everything. Yeah. Why don't we have a holiday for that? For like the end, the day we ended slavery. Like, and, that, and that's the perfect day. The, the, the day system the last was slave written for by white yeah. people. Yeah. No shit. That like, should not be a controversy, or there no. should be nothing wrong with that. Not, no. only, not only that, but. Uh, why, why are we mad about another day off? Yeah, no what? shit. That's what, well, and like when, when it really boils down to it, when, even if you don't like it, just be happy you got a day off. When Congress voted on making it a federal holiday and, all, and like, 14 Republicans voted against it, it's like, <laughs> you just voted against a day off. We're talking about a, a group we know of people how that much take like more days off than any other Americans. Yeah. And they're they're mad that they they were gonna get another day off. You're also you you like you're just signaling, like you're there is yeah. no other way to interpret that other than well those fourteen are exceptionally the, racist. Like, <laughs> in, in their heads, they're like, this could possibly get me another yeah. five hundred votes next election. Yeah, no shit, just really dumb. Uh, he so he was mad at CNN in that last clip. He's mad at MSNBC. Shocker, uh, in in this clip. Okay, Chris Hayes does the same thing on MSNBC. He tries to blame the right for even reacting to critical race theory in the first place. 
He had a Chiron the other day on MSNBC that is so beyond crazy. It's like, he said that the right is fixated on race. We're fixated on race. That's all you guys care about. It's literally all you guys talk about, like 24 hours a day. And when we notice and we push back, then it's, oh, I can't, I can't believe they noticed. I mean, like, really, look at these people obsessed with race. Here's Chris Hayes doing this routine. Critical race theory, uh, as a sort of technical term, is basically a set of analytic tools that academics in some fields use, starting in law, for studying systematic racism in our society. The right has rendered the term meaningless through overdeployment, making it into a culture war rallying cry. Since February, month over month, the mentions of the term have more than doubled. The entire right-wing media machinery has become obsessed, whipping up a moral panic almost entirely among white people that their children are being taught toxic truths about America's long history of racial oppression hierarchy. Which we have established that they are not being taught, and everything Chris Hayes said was fucking right. Yeah, that <laughs> is yeah. spot like, on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have somebody standing in on the the mall in Washington holding a sign that says "Stop teaching critical race theory to our kids." Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say she has no idea what critical race theory even is. No, or the fact that it's not being taught to kids, and yeah. the and like the idea that it could be is why a bunch of fucking right wing grifters got you guys all pissed off that you. Fucking heard it. Tar- like they don't. Need, they still don't know what it is. Like is, is they didn't learn like anything. Say it enough in different context and different definitions based on their own viewpoint. Of yeah, it, that it just it, it becomes whatever their favorite pundit thinks of it. That's right. what it means. Uh, and Hay- Hayes is right in that he, he he like they do use it as like a cudgel or a weapon. Like it's it, just a three word term that's a catch all. Yeah, for it's your, it, whatever scares you about. They, they use it the way the country. They use it in the same way I, they use I know, socialism. I know the same what, way. what's going to be the hot button boogeyman at Thanksgiving this year. Yeah, right. just, no you don't even have to say the name. Just CRT. Yeah, no right. shit. Um, uh, I just start telling people like, could, that's could, an ingredient. Instead of in fucking instead rice. of ask, <laughs> instead of asking your your uncle to pass the sweet tea, you'd be like, "Could you please pass the CRT?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trigger Vietnam flashbacks. In also, his head. fuck then for like the the. the, the the cunning that he has with his fucking audience to and the balls that he has to say that like that all you guys talk about is race then your whole fucking show has been about race and how how he opening, dedicated an entire hour and 30 minute segment yeah which has turned into fucking three hours for us uh <laughs> you know like he like it's just it's unbelievable. Like they always do that. They just like one of the main staples of fucking right wing, uh, the fraudster, whatever. That that playbook is just like you accuse your enemy of doing what you yourself are doing, and he has done that over and over again through this entire episode. That like. And he and he has the balls yeah, to tell I, his audience. I don't talk like, about race. You guys talk about race. Yeah, and that's why I'm talking about race right now. Yeah, here, let me bitch about this fucking Washington Post video forever. Ugh, I don't know. Anyway, I have one last clip. We made it through, like, and I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me. Been hard. It man. has, man. Uh, you know, like, but just feel for me have a little empathy for me <laughs> because after we get done I, with I do. this shit like I, do. I have to fucking listen to this again <laughs> with us talking now so it's considerably longer <laughs> um so uh yeah here's my here's my uh last clip and we'll let ben uh give his final bullshit synopsis of whatever the fuck he's been talking about okay it's amazing right oh my god they're mentioning critical race theory yes we noticed you mentioned it and we noticed 
So the gaslighting is on two levels. One is it's just history. No, it's not. It's an actual theory that was meant to be an activist theory, according to his founders. Second, the lie is that it doesn't exist. It absolutely does exist. And it has a cost. And the cost is that we are not allowed anymore, according to critical race theory, to call out problems as we see them in the United States, whether they are problems of actual racism or whether they are problems that are not due to racism, but result in an unequal outcome. Because it turns out that if you want to prevent unequal outcome, if you would like more equal outcome, people have to act differently. But if you notice that people have to act differently, if, for example, you say that crime should be policed, right, that you should actually spend time policing crime rather than suggesting that the cops are racist, this is because you have not imbibed from the well of critical race theory, you have not recognized your own white supremacy. You've not recognized that the police are, in fact, a tool of white supremacy in the United States. And the costs of this are largely borne by black Americans. Not entirely, but largely borne by black Americans. Yeah, the same people who are pushing critical race theory are pushing defund the police because they believe that the police are, in the words of Nicole Hannah-Jones, basically the heirs to the slave catchers. And so is it any wonder that you see kids being caught in crossfire in the Bronx? Yeah, we have video of kids being caught in a crossfire in the middle of New York City. Yeah, this wouldn't have happened even 10 years ago in New York City. When you drink deep from critical race theory, what you end up is with is more suffering, more inequality, more cruelty, more violence, and apparently more happy members of the media. And, and the, the pushback has begun. It should begin. And uh, frankly, I'm, I'm ecstatic to see how far the pushback is going at this point. Uh, again, mobilize, get together with your friends, push back, because the time is now. Holy shit. He, he doesn't think that kids are caught in crossfires and gang warfare in, in New York City 10 years ago? I don't understand. That absolutely I, happened. What mm. a weird thing to just throw in at the end of your fucking episode. Like, right. like every, to take every a story. Was that supposed to be like a Marvel yeah, tease for the next one? I don't understand why that was relevant, but it, I, I also know that growing up my entire life with my parents watching the evening news while dinner was on, there was almost, it, if not every other night, at least weekly, uh, a child taking a stray bullet downtown St. Louis. Yeah. And it's not uncommon now so, either. So is this, is this posit that this is because critical race theory is being It doesn't pushed? make any sense why he would fucking throw that <laughs> in. Like, it was literally, like, the story of the day. It, like, probably popped up on his fucking wash post feed while he was in mid-show. And I he guess. was just like, so this happened, and that's why. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, there's that was pointless. That whole bringing that up at all was pointless. And it was just to throw it in at the very end, the last 30 seconds of your fucking show, to just be like, well, see, all things that involve black people mean that critical race theory is bad. That doesn't make sense, Ben. Like, you just pulled some shit out of your ass. I don't know. Anyway, uh, how do we want to fucking rate him on this? Um, oh, God. Um, to, in good faith, I can't put him any further than a fraud. See, I... Because dis- he's just... He's selling... He's he, he he's selling his own show because... Home security system. What was your... What, well, yeah, he's got his advertisers. He's got his stupid Leftist Tears mug. He's got his own show, which I think 45 minutes of it is free. The other 45 is behind a paywall. He also, though, is... Uh, I I don't agree with stopping at fraud. I think that he is that he's perpetuating a fascist system. Do you think he's become Bannon, where he's like actively trying to push us in that direction? I don't think that he is as good as ba- Bannon is at doing that, but I think that's what he's working toward. I think he and Bannon would probably agree on most things they 
discussed. And I think probably be on the same side. I think that the thing is that while I agree with the fraud status, because I do believe that he's doing it for his own prosperity. I think that once you attach yourself in 2018 to Donald Trump and you decide that the way that you're going to make your life better is by attaching yourself to a fascist, it's hard to not make the argument. And then he does this entire hour-long show where he is— This might have to be a running ticker on where where he lands episode per episode. That's fine. This this one, and it it has a lot of fascist leanings. It does. I mean, he he is— he is arguing that we as white people, like he has split us like, up based on race and said we should feel victimized as white people because this idea exists that he also we said the words su- he said the word supremacy a lot. Well, he didn't he didn't explicit <laughs> he didn't explicitly say that white supremacy is the way. The, but he said the word supremacy quite a bit. But what he did do is throughout the entire episode he split us up into two groups of people, whites and non-whites, and then he made the the arguments throughout the show that if we at all are uh, faced with the idea that somebody else could know something more than us on a subject like race, then they are acting as superiors. So, do we get? Did we more or less get an animal farm situation here, I'm, where whites good, people that say whites are bad, bad? Yeah, kinda. Like, well, and I think that I we didn't get so far as to say minorities are bad i don't think so uh but he definitely played to that audience everybody that supports critical race theory bad it's not that ben believes that minorities are bad he thinks that anything that should that challenges the status minorities is bad yeah like assisting minorities is bad they should do it themselves yeah i would put him when it comes to when it comes to race uh and his and his views on race i would say that he's pretty fascist yeah okay. um like i, I would support I that definitely agree with that for this particular episode yeah we can talk uh, we can do another episode later about the he, fucking fauci emails or some shit and i'm yeah. sure that we'll get somewhere else i don't know that we'll get all the way to Let's fascist say that there, he, he but, dances the line pretty good but i feel like with this when you talk about a subject like race which which has so many like it's like if so we can impactful, sit here and, and we're we're getting like a scent of fascism. It's probably fascist with with a little bit of disguising going on. Uh, I I'd go with fascist. I know that he's gonna say worse things if we listen to all of his episodes. I no doubt we'll get there. Yeah, fascist for for Ben on race. Been on race fascist. Wait, why do you say he's a fascist? He's a fascist. Do you, do you realize how uh, do you realize how offensive that is? I think he's a fascist. Why? Because he is. Okay. All right. So, okay. We've got a a fascist. (laughs) Because he is. That's Ben's whole argument. I I have one huge takeaway from this is that I would absolutely never want to be a social scientist because (laughs) if you get a good idea, then you got to present it for for change based on bad behavior, and everybody's going to be like, no, I'm not (laughs) bad. I'm not bad. (laughs) It's all the other guy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, man, I'm glad to be done with this, though, um, because I just uh, 
I'm ready to edit it already. Like I'm not. E- I haven't even pressed stop, and I'm ready to edit it and fucking be just done. Do with it, them. get it done. Yeah, like this. <laughs> get might, it out of my life. I just want to. Like this might be even an all nighter. Just be like, all right, I'm already in this mode. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> just get this done. Not gonna wait t- till tomorrow like I typically would. So anyway. Um, but that'll uh, bring us to the end of another episode. We will be back. But before we go, Jim, could you please tell the uh, listeners how they can find us? Yes, sir. We have a Facebook page. We can be found on Twitter at Real Unamerican, and also our personal accounts at Unamerican B, at Fevered Heart, and at American Actual J. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, Franklin, can you please tell them what they can do to uh, support us? Uh, I certainly can. You may follow us, like, subscribe, share, and review. Uh, Episodes are available weekly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll get back there at at some point. We're working towards it. Uh, And of course, uh, bonus content is available over at patreon.com forward slash unamerican. So go check that out. And as always, we appreciate we appreciate the support. Yes, we very much do. Thank you both, um, and thank you to our listeners. We will return soon. Um, but before we go, our dishonorable mentions this week are Garrett Graves of Louisiana, Sam Graves of Missouri, Mark Green, Tennessee, Marjorie Taylor Green of Georgia, Morgan Griffith of Virginia, Michael Guest of Mississippi, Jim Hagedorn of Minnesota and Andy Harris of Maryland. Um, and of course, your homework as our listener, if you live in their states, is to go out and oppose them um, and put them in a future un- unemployment line so that they can cut their own benefits. I've been saying that wrong the last couple of times. Like, I thought it was a clever joke, but I've been fucking it up every time I've said it. So, uh, yeah, fuck them. Put those fascists in a, in an unemployment line. Un-American is a Feverheart production. It is hosted by Brandon Condick, Franklin Everhart, and Jim Hillman. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. Contact us at unamericanpod at yahoo.com. And be sure to support us on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. Now, to normal people who watch this stuff, it looks like gobbledygook. You watch this and you're like, I don't understand what in the F you are talking about. 